0: Okay. All right, so
1: go ahead and drop the intro. All right.
0: Good morning. Um or afternoon. Or afternoon. Yeah. How long have we been here so far? I don't know. This so is Get It Raw and we are here for another episode, new episode. Welcoming our friend Brian to uh to the show. Good morning. Welcome.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey man, it's a pleasure.
1: Uh go ahead and introduce yourself for a little bit.
2: Okay. You know. Yeah, I'll tell you. A little bit about myself, uh, and what I do. Uh, my name is Brian Ripple. Uh, currently, I'm, I'm I'm working with a uh, prison ministry. We we call it a prison ministry, but really we work in the uh, the local county jail. And um, a group of uh, guys together um, have created a uh, a program where we go in and bring the gospel to uh, prisoners and we established a program outside of the jail as well so that's what i'm doing right now
1: oh that's cool i think you, i wonder if you know our friend um, tom uh he he does something similar to that and uh he's a great guy uh that's a very worthy and admirable uh uh position to, to be in um by the way i wanted to say i think you have the coolest last name ever ever <laughs> Thank you. It is. I, I was telling Deanna that, uh, she should do a podcast called the ripple effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs>
1: So cool. I think that's the greatest name, you know, that, besides that, champion.
0: That would, that might even be good for your son. If he did, uh, on oh, the yeah. pitching, that would yeah. be a great. Yeah. I think for pitching.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a great idea. Actually, you know, the little tiny ripples becomes waves, you know, and you know, wow. All right. So anyway,
2: yeah, we can go. Somebody might want to copyright that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's.
1: I just, I, it's or is cool. that
0: a website? I don't, oh, uh, I don't we know. could get it and squat on it. I just heard that term the other day, squatters or squatting, squatters. Yeah, squatting on a website. Uh, oh, like really? you just buy out a bunch of websites and you you squat, you hold them until somebody comes along. That's like, Oh man, this is the website I need for whatever it is. You're like, well, I own it. You can buy it. Mm-hmm. And then you sell out. Oh man. Well, that might be a way to go
1: from a business perspective. Um, but anyway, Let's get started with, uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, what do you want to do?
2: Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned through the the prison ministry is is uh, a lot of these guys that go into jail are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And um, uh, they, when they come out, they're still, even though they're they're forced to be sober in jail, they're still uh, dealing with the same issues that, that got them in there in the first place. And um, that's what's kind of unique about our program because there's lots of prison ministries out there and there's people that go into the jails and they they talk to them and they tell them what they should be doing. We take a little bit of different approach to it. Um, we have two programs running in, in correlation. So when someone's in, in the jail, when they come out, they're gonna see the same faces. We're gonna be covering the same materials. In fact, they won't even miss a beat if they go from, the jail to our, to our meetings. And, and the meetings are pretty small. We do them in, in our homes and, um, we don't have any church affiliation. In fact, I don't know that any two people in, in our prison ministry go to the same church. Yeah. We, we met through different circumstances. And, um, when we, when the, the gentleman that started it and myself, um, we met through different circumstances and, and, and we developed this thing. And, and we, One of the key things that we, we try to focus our attention on is, is relationships. Um, we kind of find that relationships are the, the downfall to most uh, people in addiction, uh, whether that's early on or, or, or later even. People who have been sober for a long time can, can relapse because of relationships.
1: And why do you, why do you think that is? What is it about a relationship that spurs the addiction or or exacerbates the addiction?
2: I think there's a lot of emotions involved in relationships. Um, And you can get too involved too early sometimes. There's lots of different reasons, but um, I think it's emotion. Not knowing how to deal with those emotions. And not, and not establishing good boundaries in the relationship. And that's, that's one of the things we try to teach them. I personally, you know. We, we have some guidelines that for our for our ministry, but each person has their own kind of flavor. Now, I've been in the jail, um, but mostly my focus is outside the jail, mentoring ships. Um, and currently, because of, of COVID, we don't have anybody in the jail. We're not even, for a year, we haven't been allowed to be in the jail. So right now, we're just in a season of building leaders um, and working with people as they get out that, that the jail actually... Um, sends us. So in the past we we met a lot of resistance in the jail. Like it it took 2 years just for us to get in. And then some of the guys that that we we brought along and started developing as leaders they because of their past record, they couldn't even get into the jail. So it took a long time and we um and and now we've kind of had I don't know if I'm going to call it a setback, but it's definitely hard to do a prison ministry when you can't even go in the jail (laughs) and and these guys that you developed as leaders uh they have a
1: relationship with the guys that are still in right and that's one of the benefits
2: um well jail is such short term um they have relationships with the people that are out but hopefully i mean the goal is that they don't go back in after they come back out right Right. that's the main goal um but 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 most of the time it's kind of new relationships and so in the in at least in our county the jail system um, has a special section for, for for people who are of Christian faith and I don't even actually they don't even have to be Christian faith but they they want to be in a in a in a uh, religious environment in jail. They actually if they're if they're nonviolent offenders and and they know they're there just short term and they're not going to go to prison they they have the option of going into this and and it, that provides them with some um latitude to, to have access to visitors who are going to talk to them about God or, or whatever. And, uh, some people are in there just because, you know, they know that it's a safer environment. They have no desire to have a relationship with God. They have no desire to, to probably even get sober and they're just using the system. But there are, you know, people in there who are genuinely want to change, um, and, and are making efforts to do so. And those are the people we're really looking for, you know, weed out the ones who are just there using the system and, and try to find the people that, um, want to change.
1: But, but even if they're there, they're there getting, you know, passively getting this information. And you said that it doesn't have to be of a christian origin like they could be a buddhist mm-hmm. or yeah. an atheist and still attend and that's right as they're welcomed huh? that's
2: right yeah and there's 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 muslims that they go into the prison and christians and uh, i don't know all the groups because we we just have a time slot right and we we it was ironic that sunday was the the time slot that was available Huh? yeah so we'd be we'd be at church and some of the guys would miss church so that they could go into the prisons and or into the jail and 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 provide church for these guys but it's not passive we're not passive in there and one of the things that we really um really believe strongly in and and i don't want to get into a lot of this but i will touch on it um that that we think that a lot of times people go into these things and they and in this mentorship and and they try to they try to give you what they know and that's and that's good too, but but we want all we want to do is just expose them to the to God and to Christ. And and part of that is is giving them something and letting them read it. Mm-hmm. So instead of me reading a Bible verse to you, Joe, I say, Here, Joe, read this out loud. Okay? Because when you hear it in your own voice right and you're reading yeah. it with your own eyes it's a different experience than if oh, i'm reading totally. it to you yeah. right 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 yeah. and it and it becomes real and that's and i think you know from my experience god is real so um whatever you believe is fine but but god is real and he wants to have a relationship with me i can't do that for them they right. really have to do it for themselves i can just show them the way i did it but so that's one key part of the relationship thing of, 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 uh, sobriety that I think is real important. And the statistics show it. I don't have the statistics with me. I'm not a statistics guy, but I know that, that, um, through what I've read and what I've heard, um, and what I've experienced that, that when God is in the mix of your recovery, your chances of succeeding are tenfold. Yeah. I was, uh, talking to a
1: physician about this yesterday and we were having that very discussion about it's interesting because you know uh, alcoholics anonymous they talk about not necessarily god but the, but a higher power right um and and that's like a god right so the point is that she was saying the same thing she said that you know when you involve a higher power or god you have far more success and my curiosity i'm just a, just from my nature um why why is that? Is that uh, a change in the locus of control? Is that an internal locus to an external locus? Or is it, is it, uh, I, I don't know why. So why, why in your opinion, why is that so much more comforting? Why does that make such a large impact to, uh, to you and to the gentleman that you're, uh, you're, uh, counseling to? That's a great
2: question. Um, the, it's, it's going to be hard to measure, it's gonna be hard to 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 write it down and say what it is, but if you believe that God is the creator of all beings, if you believe that you know where where did we come from? What is the origins of of who, who humans are? If you believe we we've come from aliens, um, I I, th- I think it's gonna be tough. Um, but if you believe that you have a creator and someone's created this world, um, how could he not fix the problem of of your addiction, right? Um, and, and, and you can get deep into that. You can say, well, then why did God ever create addiction? But why did, why does anything exist on this earth? I like, this is my burden. Alcoholism is my burden to bear. Right. Um, I, I, maybe I was born with it. Maybe I created it myself, but I stepped across the line and said, you know, this, I, I need this to, to get, to be comfortable. I need this to be happy. I need this to whatever, and when I stepped across that line, it became my burden. Mm-hmm. And, and and then when I was able to overcome it, um, it's still my burden. Like I'm better, but I'm I'll never be completely whole. Um, so everybody's got that. If you don't have it and you're young, you know, maybe you're 16, you probably haven't experienced what your burden is. But your burden will show up, and you'll have to learn how to to, to manage it, or it's going to destroy you. That's interesting that, you know,
1: you you started with uh, relationships and then we're talking about God right now, but mm-hmm. that's a relationship. Right. And so you feel like there's something out there, my creator, and they love me. Right. And they're there to help me. hmm And that's what you're, that's what you're speaking to. And therefore you have a relationship mm-hmm. and you may not feel like you have a relationship with anybody else, but at least you have that. Yeah. And that kind of saves you. huh? Yeah. That's what
0: good do you point? think? Uh, the, um, I was going to say we, the, the thought of burdens and, um, I never thought about it like that. Like we all are going to have something major in our lives, if not multiple major burdens to overcome. And if we, if we think about it as why me, um, poor me, it, it, it takes away from everybody else's burdens and, and it just makes you feel like you know, you're, you're singling yourself out. Um, and that just, I mean, that, that just adds, that adds more weight to the burden to carry, but having, having somebody else to share that burden with any burden is always going to make it easier. Um, you know, to, to help carry the weight. I mean, if we're talking literally, um, so two people and I, and I've heard it put, um, that, a Problem shared is a problem cut in half, something like that, to that effect. Um, And and that makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Even even coming with a friend or sitting down or kneeling down and praying about the problem, about whatever it is, just even bringing it to a verbal air, verbal airwaves, lightens a little bit of that load, Um, either a little bit or sometimes even a lot. Um, just to get it out there, get it off your chest. I mean, again, I'm using a lot of, uh, analogies, I think, or metaphors, Mm uh, a uh, a lot of metaphors, but they really hold true. I mean, when you, when you do start to practice something like, like prayer or even group therapy, group counseling or group meetings, group discussions, um, just talking about it and and having somebody else, anybody else, sometimes it is only, uh, your higher power or God. To share it with and talk it with, it just helps lighten that load. It helps let you kind of take a deeper breath, um, take the next step and do something more.
1: You know, something I've always wondered is that, you know, when you struggled, you, you, it was right after like uh, a relationship had like ended those or were, changed. Yeah,
0: those were some of my toughest times.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like you don't have relationships but it would be a particular romantic relationship. And when those fell apart, that's when you kind of, in essence, fell apart too. Why? Why that particular relationship versus the relationships? Because you have a lot of great friends that stick with you. Mm. Why that? Uh, Why does that push you? And then like, how does that help you as well? Because Brian, you could probably speak to that too, right? Like, how does that help you? But then you know, have you ever had a problem where a romantic relationship ended and then it kind of pushed you or maybe not push you, but you kind of fell at that point?
2: Well, I've been married to the same woman for now 24 years. So I, the last Hallelujah. time, <laughs> last time I was in a relationship was a long time. Um, I I've, I've always been the person, uh, back then I'm, I'm really rewinding my memory here, but to say, uh, back then, um, a, I was at that time I was an atheist. Um at the best, I was an agnostic and 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 at that time probably a womanizer and very, very selfish, and and um and so I always broke up with girls. I didn't allow them to rape. Oh. And I always had I always had multiple girls. And uh God, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Uh. but she <laughs> changed luck. me because she's an amazing person, and that's you know, I'm not she just is. She I'm is. not just saying that, but um you know, uh, she she helped me to come to Christ um, through her persistence and example, and and I owe that to her. That's that's eternal uh, uh, debt that I owe to her. Um, but back to your question with relationships, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I do know this. I do know every guy that I've ever worked with who's failed. It's been because of a relationship, and I think I think early on, you know, maybe we form these relationships and, and they're good or bad with our parents or, and our siblings or or whatever. But, um, we can't change that, that that's our past. We can't really change that. But we, what I, what we can do and what I try to teach guys is, is like, what, what is a healthy relationship mm-hmm. and, um, and, and how to to set up and define boundaries. So I say, I use this example and I think, I think this is a great example and it's not mine and I've put my spin on it or whatever, and you might read a book and say, oh yeah, I remember him talking about that. Um, it's, like a, it's like a circle of, of rings. I wish I could you know, show you the, the picture, but imagine a circle of rings. So in the center of that circle, like a target, in the center of that circle is you and God. Everybody else fits into this ring, but, but in the smallest ring in the center, the bullseye, is you and God. And then outside of that ring is your closest relationships if you're a, if you're a teenager it'll be your mom, your dad and your siblings.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then outside of that it becomes discretionary, okay? So so who's who's in the next ring? Those might be your your best friends. And then beyond that maybe your coworkers and your your you know, your neighbor and blah blah blah. And then outside of that might be, you know, I don't know Hitler and Osama bin Laden. <laughs> oh jeez. So you <laughs> So, you know, that everybody fits inside of this inside of this circle somewhere. They're all there. The people that hurt you the most, they're they're all there. Okay? Now it's gonna be a little while before, you know, Osama and I go out for, for ice cream. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of apologizing to do. And, and, well, he's diabetic okay. too, so he's be careful. <laughs> well, Maybe that's know. how we should have took him out. Right? There's no, out ice cream. There might not be any kidney dialysis in hell. I don't know. Uh, so, so what I'm saying is, 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 we have to learn these healthy boundaries because if we don't have them, we're gonna, we're gonna destroy our, our lives. And if you've never been taught this, then, then you don't know how to do this, right? And sometimes. Um, we get too involved. So take, for example, a, a mom. This is a real common relationship thing. Uh, so you have a mom who has this teenage son and, um, and, and, the, and now he grows up and he, he meets a woman and he, he gets married. The mom's no longer in the same circle in that relationship anymore. She's moved mm-hmm. out. The mm-hmm. wife's in that position. If the mom doesn't recognize that, and abide by that she's going to destroy that relationship Mm. until she does she's Mm. going to damage it that's Mm. a good point that is a good point so that really doesn't appeal to recovery although it does repeal appeal to relationships right so then um but there's lots of examples like that
0: yeah yeah Yeah, where you
2: you don't know your position what about you what do you think about that i
0: think that part of it or, or i i think that the um that we have, we make relationships with that substance as well. So when it, when a serious relationship, like uh, like a, um, a romantic relationship, comes to an end, especially one that was maybe a little longer, more serious, um, that person was part of our support system, part of you know who we would share our other burdens with, and and use them to kind of lean on, and then they're gone. They would be closer in that circle to us probably than our friends were at that point who would be on that outside of our circle uh, or further outside that circle. So when they're gone, our friends, one of our friends doesn't usually take that spot. We need something closer. And it could, you know, then that's where I think we go back to a substance or relapse because we have that relationship where we say, okay. What do I know and what's basically what, what always has been there for me? I mean, we've heard it and, and see it all the time, but it's just an easy crutch. It's almost like, like a crutch to fall back on. Like, okay, mm. this relationship is over. In the meantime or right away, like I can do this. I can be, you know, feel better. Um, and, you know, then of course everything else may start to fall apart, you know, with short term or short time, long time. So, so
1: how much of this, of an addiction, whether it's alcohol or marijuana or whatever, how much of it is physiological versus psychosocial
2: or even cultural? I think that that depends on the drug, but yeah, that's a short answer, yeah. yeah, yeah. It depends on the drug. What, what I will say is, is, is this, and it, it, um, just to step back just a second, because mm-hmm. I don't want to forget this, because if you're struggling with drugs or alcohol, more importantly, if you're struggling with drugs, because alcohol's in your face all the time, you gotta to learn to deal with that differently than, than drugs. Drugs, I think, in some ways, and, and people argue with me about this, is easier. And and because, because you don't have to associate with the people that you buy your drugs from and you use your drugs from. Right. You don't have to associate them. If you watch TV, you're gonna see a beer ad. If you go into a grocery store, you're gonna see beer. You're gonna you're gonna go into a convenience store, you're gonna see beer, you're gonna to go to a party no mm-hmm. matter where that party is and somebody's gonna be like hey you want a beer you want a beer all night long you'll hear it so if you're mm-hmm. not prepared for that it's hard yeah the biggest advice i give anybody is say and they almost never take it is say take your phone and get rid of every contact that you've ever bought drugs from use drugs with you, you've you got to cut those people out of your life and this comes into the healthy boundary things oh well oh, that man. that's my best friend yeah. is he your best friend He's going to cause you to stumble. So you've got to move him out of that circle. And what I don't usually tell them is, is um, I, I say, you know, once, once you get sober, you can bring them back into that, that fold when you're healthy once again. The truth is, is they're never going to want that person in their life as long as they're using. All they had in common was the use. See, that's interesting that you say that because
1: uh, you're talking about relationships. And then as they sober up, you're like, you got to get rid of
2: that relationship because it's toxic. You gotta get right. rid of that before you can sober up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get rid of that or you're going back to jail. Like it's it's serious. like that's the number one piece of advice I can give somebody relation wise who's 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 using and, and abusing, get rid of those relationships. And yeah. It's hard. It may be the person that you love. It may be maybe your wife. I mean, I, I'm grateful that you know, my wife doesn't she's had three drinks in, in twenty five years. But um if my wife was also an alcoholic, mm-hmm. I don't. I would never get out of that. It would yeah. just just wouldn't happen.
1: So then, I take it like when you look at countries that are socialized, uh, like Portugal, Austria, Switzerland. Uh-huh. Um, in comparison to the states, we have. Why are we doing so bad with helping people? Do they need to be in prison if they're suffering from addiction? Because they're really not learning. They're not rehabbing that well. Um, So, what is it? What are we doing wrong? And and this speaks to the context of the physiological addiction versus Mm -hmm. what you've been talking about as the relationships. So, what could we do better in the states to help lower the addiction rates? What could we do better in the states to to help? With because there's a lot of things associated with addiction, you know. Mm-hmm. So why do you think there's a big difference between the states and those
2: countries? I really don't know the statistics of those other countries. Um, if you're okay. telling me they're better, then I'm gonna I'm gonna assume, say you yeah. assume you're right. Um, but I can speak to what we could do better. Incarceration doesn't work for for addiction, so you have to really. I think our our our, uh, our local government needs needs to look at at the at this particular issues of, of, of who is the offender and why are they offending. And if it's, it's because they're a bad person, then they should lock them up for longer. If it's because they, they deem and judge that it's, it's because they have an addiction then they should try to help them. Right. Uh, incarceration doesn't do it. Now, now we do have programs like that. We have, uh, uh, diversion programs and drug court and those types of things. and, and, and they do work. Um, but they only work, you know, when, when somebody's really ready and committed to change because you can't do it for them. No one could do it for me. I mean, God helped me, but it it had to come from my choice to decide to become sober. Right. So I would think that would be the one thing that I could say you could change. Um, Teaching, teaching them about things, you know, what, what drug court and some of these things do is teach. People how to live because maybe they've never learned how to live. Sure. It's, there's guys that don't don't know how to do it. You know, don't know how to balance a checkbook. Not that we need to do that much anymore, <laughs> right. but they don't they don't know how to have a schedule. Like they don't they don't they don't know how to get to work on time. These it seem like for some people, you know, um, these are basic things. But but for them, they've just never really been taught that. So if you don't have that that father figure in your in your life and. and or you don't have that person that comes along and, and teaches you those things, then you just never learn them. So those things are definitely helpful. I mean, you can find yourself in financial uh, trouble and, and and if you can't get to work on time. Yeah. And, and, you know, that can lead to other problems, which eventually lead to how do I, you know, solve these problems? And you go back to the default of what you know, and that's, you know, whatever your drug of choice is.
1: And- well,
2: it's it's interesting because...
1: You know, you and I have had these conversations before when you look at like uh, roughly 20 to 25 years ago, back in like the 90s, you had Portugal and the United States. they were both looking at the highest addiction rates in the world. They were trying to figure out, come up with a solution. Portugal took uh, the results of what's called Rat Park. Have you ever heard of those studies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So they looked at the outcomes of that and they applied that through uh their socialized government Mm -hmm. so they're very very supportive you know if you're if you have an addiction um they're going to put you in a support group they're going to subsidize your housing so that way now you have a place to stay they're going to subsidize your employment so now you have a job Hmm. um in some cases with austria they'll they'll even like provide you with uh um, if you're addicted to heroin for instance you can go to a clinic and get uh Get the heroin with a clean needle under mm. medical supervision and the remarkable thing is that they their addiction rates are now the lowest in the world they Just drop off mm. many of the users who go to these heroin clinics They go maybe one to three times and then they're done and they're doing it in a safe manner But they're 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 subscribing to a lot of things that we're talking about mm. but you know going to support groups finding a higher purpose, having employment, having housing. Whereas in the United States, we doubled down on the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we just kept incarcerating people. And now that you have like prison for profit and jails for profit, mm-hmm. there's a lot of money in incarcerating somebody for a dime bag of weed or for, uh, you know, an open bottle in the car or, or for uh, some heroin. But... We incarcerate them, but we don't rehabilitate them. And then when they get out, they don't have harder for them to get housing. Okay, mm-hmm. hard for them to get employment. Yeah, right. Yeah. And their support group is not. They don't have to go to, the, to a support group. They don't. Uh, they're not enrolled in any support groups unless they do it voluntarily, right? Um, or if it's part of the probation. But you know, some of them may violate that. Their support group is going back to the people that they were getting in trouble with anyway. The people that they were buying the drugs from, the people mm-hmm. that they were drinking with. Mm-hmm. And what we understand from a medical perspective is that lack of that, that relationship mm-hmm. of, with a healthy person, a healthy relationship, allows you to release oxytocin, allows you to release dopamine, mm-hmm. allows you to release a number of other hormones and neurotransmitters to help you feel loved. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Rocco, I'm not talking about you
2: i'm sorry guys i forgot breakfast <laughs> <laughs> he's getting mad yeah <laughs> no
1: no so so basically the, the the point is that when you're with uh, in a loving relationship you're going to release hormones and neurotransmitters that let you like to help you feel loved and belong and you're going to belong to something mm-hmm. and you kind of it's like a runner's high mm-hmm. it's like exercise yep. okay now if you don't have that or that relationship crumbled and you get that artificial high from an exogenous substance like heroin or an opioid drug, or alcohol, then or or even cannabis, right? Then you become reliant on that, and the people that you're doing it with are doing it as well. So now you are re, you are receiving, let's say, oxycodone or heroin. You're releasing, so you're you're getting that oxy, uh, uh, oxytocin effect with people that are also using with you. So you feel like you belong and you love within that support group, and it makes it even harder. For you to break down that relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you go to jail. And guess who's in there? People that are in the same position you are. Mm -hmm. And then we isolate them Mm -hmm. in a cage. All right? For a number of... For a certain period of time. And expect them to be sober. But we know from the studies before Rad Park. That that doesn't necessarily work either. So I feel like we're failing people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we could be more proactive and preventative. And help them with what you're talking about. Help them develop relationships.
2: Yeah, well, I think you're. I think what you're saying is all great. I, I do think that maybe comparing one country to another is maybe apples and oranges because culturally we're we're different. I would I, you would have to measure so many facets to, to try to say well this will work here because uh, is the divorce rate the same? Is 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 uh, you know there there's just there's just too many things to say that it's there's a uh, a magic bullet to well, kill I, I, this thing. But I do yeah. agree with you that, that, you know, I, I really don't like the whole, uh, punishment after punishment thing. And that's, that's the thing that probably of our, our, system that bothers me the most is because these guys get out of jail, like you were saying, and, and, and they, they can't find a job. Mm-hmm. They can't find a place to live. I mean, you, you know, um, <laughs> now I think that there's, that there's wisdom in that when you have violent offenders. Um, rapists and murderers I think you that needs there may be just a good argument to say that you should probably never let them out but if you did let them out you should probably they should probably be monitored um but like you're saying if you're arrested for drugs and, and and whatever if you've served your time um I just don't think that the public should have access to that anymore it's gonna it's hard to do because now we have digital tattoos right so if you get arrested. Uh, you can have it expunged and 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 maybe sealed. Maybe one time in Florida, but um, expunged and sealed. But that doesn't eliminate the 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 internet. And if right. you've got your face somewhere tattooed, uh, you can't get rid of it completely. You can bury it, but if somebody looks deep enough, they can find out the information about you in your past. So, um, but but but. I think you know preventing people from getting work and stuff that that's just a terrible thing. If they've served their sentence, they've done their time, they've done they've you know they done their penance, they sh- they should be able to move on. So that's one of the things that I, I actually focus on as part of my uh, thing is is I, I I run my own business. It's a small business. I do like interior remodeling and um, commercial and residential and and a lot of times I hire these guys on and try to teach them the ropes of not necessarily running a construction business cause I don't need any more competition, <laughs> but, but teach them just about running business in general. You know, mm-hmm. if I find somebody that's got a you know, some, some ability that, that I think, you know, this person could do this because that may be the only way that they actually have a normal kind of life yeah. is, is to start their own business because it's um, it's not an easy road, but it, it may appeal more to their personality as well. Um, to have autonomy, um, you know, to be it when they get in a situation, they can just say, you know what, I'm going to walk away from this situation. You, you're an employee, you can't do that. You mm-hmm. got to deal with the situation. But if you're if you're a uh, you know unhealthy person from the begin with, you may not want that person to deal with the situation with how they know how to deal with it. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But uh, but anyway,
1: yeah, that's. I but know. but think about what you just said. You just came up with some great points. The what you're doing is you're establishing a relationship. Mm-hmm. You're helping them find a purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, think about the child that grows up in uh, the ghetto, and it doesn't matter what color they are, but they just grow up in the ghetto, and they see their parent, you know, go to jail, mm-hmm. maybe one or both they now they have a hard life mm-hmm. the people that they see that that are able to do well for themselves aren't necessarily role models for a society that we want to live in mm-hmm. so they grow up and they kind of emulate that and then they get in trouble and then when they get out and they try to do to go the straight and narrow yeah. they can't mm-hmm. so they got to fall back and then when they're in that jail in that prison they're not learning they a purpose like you're, you're teaching people practical skills that will, survive, that will last them the rest of their life. They learn from other criminals on how to become a better criminal mm-hmm. because they know when they get out, the likelihood that they'll have um, an opportunity to live a good life on the straight and narrow isn't there as easily. It's not accessible. But when we talk about like countries like Austria, Austria took the lead from Portugal. Portugal, yeah, they're socialized, but they um, were in a... a in just of a, uh, their, their position on, on drug addiction was just as bad as the United States 20 years ago. The difference was they said what we are doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so when are we going to say as a country what we are doing is not not working? The war on drugs it has been an immense failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and for goodness sakes, we're hypocrites. Reagan, you know, went through Nicaragua with the Sanita, uh, uh was it the uh, Sandinistas? Sandinistas? You know, with Iran-Contra, smuggle drugs across the border to, mm-hmm. to buy guns to, to give to other people. A Republican president who at the same time was saying at the other side of his mouth, or his wife's mouth, saying, say nope to dope. And then we have every president has pretty much continued those programs, you know, since then. Mm-hmm. Then you have... Um, I just To me, there's just a lot of hypocrisy with that. Mm-hmm. Then we support Big Pharma, which is pushing opioid drugs on populations, especially mm-hmm. certain populations around the country. Um, and the war on drugs isolates you know, Central American countries and South American countries, in which case they're our neighbors, so we probably should want the best relationship with them. But how many of their citizens, women and children, have to succumb to gang violence and drug cartels, in which case we help prop we prop up some of these cartels to fight against communist parties and mm-hmm. then they've become very powerful and then they end up harming their fellow neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think the war on drugs has been successful at all. So, But when do we finally say enough of the same strategy, let's apply a new strategy and see how effective that is. Because otherwise, it's like what Einstein said, you're, you're, a little, you're insane if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. expecting a different result. And look at all the money we're wasting Mm-hmm. wasting a ton of money
2: yeah and that's probably a little above my pay grade so i will say that that if it's a if it's an important issue to issue to you then you get involved so it was an important issue to me yeah and i'm involved um and, and and i'm not i'm not going to change uh I, I can't even you know you got an american flag here i can't change all these stars i can't even change that one star florida you know i'm just hoping to change that little you know those few few people in, in my life and and uh and that's it like just getting involved right we don't need we don't need the government to step in and tell us how to do it but we do need them to to change some of the ways that they they govern and and yeah there's been lots of corruption wherever there's money there's going to be corruption wherever there's power you know there's going to be corruption and people are going to get hurt from it but um yeah i, I don't know that's but i think
1: it. you're i think you're doing a lot more than you actually know i think when you look at like what what happened with the crack epidemic uh, epidemic where you had the reagan administration collude with oliver north and the cia bringing crack in the predominant cities uh, uh, and and predominantly the the regions of color. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're talking about Los Angeles. You're talking about Chicago, Baltimore, um, and many other cities, uh, which are still hurting today. But a lot of those parents that bought the crack went to jail. Now you're talking about increased divorce rates and one-parent homes, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, What you're doing in counseling these uh, individuals is you're restoring that. Mm-hmm. You're helping them come to grips with the reality of their addiction, mm-hmm. and then you're helping them reestablish relationships, possibly with their children, or have a strong relationship with the next person in their life. And w- and by working with just a few, those few work with a couple with a few of their own, maybe, or at least one or two more. And it's like a trickle effect. And so, the change that you're that you're perpetuating is is an awesome change. Mm-hmm fantastic but it's a larger impact than i think you than you realize and i think that's how you change a star which then can change other right. stars I yeah that's a great idea i,
2: I you know i'm not gonna play or downplay it but i will say that in in the ministry world the the prison ministry is the red-headed stepchild because um it has a huge failure rate like <laughs> i've i can't tell you how many guys that i've spent time with and um and they're back in jail They're back in their addiction, and and it's not rewarding. It's it's not uh, it's it's painful because you know you meet people and you spend time with people and you praying for those people when you're caring for those people and then they go right back out and 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 sometimes they die. I mean, I've had people that were that I knew who died, you know, from this thing, and 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 uh, it's not it's not the funnest thing in the world. But, um, you know, be- I guess because I'd been there to some degree, um, maybe not to the bottom that they've reached, then I have some, uh, empathy and sympathy for that. But, um, why, yeah. why
1: do you think that they, they fail or why do you think that they, uh, they lose sight of where they were going?
2: Relationships. <laughs> Usually it's relationships. It almost always is.
1: So another um, one falls apart and they find themselves Yeah, something themselves falls up. apart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder, I just wonder how much, um, you know, I was, we were talking about this earlier, uh, and we were saying that, um, you know, both of my parents suffered from addiction. Mm-hmm. And then I have three brothers that suffer with addiction. I have two, one that possibly has uh, a drug-induced uh, um, schizophrenia, mm-hmm. drug-induced schizophrenia. And uh, yeah, and I've experimented. And I've never felt the urge to continue. I yeah. could say to myself, "I'll do this, uh, you know, and I'm done." And it's it's not. I don't know if it's uh, the lack of a physiological um, addiction, or if my physiology is different, or if also like if it's uh, I don't want to say willpower because I don't I don't necessarily subscribe to that, um, or more of like a it's just different. Mm-hmm. I just feel. And I've gone through bad relationships. I had one that was really awful. And I had to say to myself, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. It, was, it wasn't, oh man, this stinks. I can't believe it happened. And then I fall back on something. It was, what can I do to make myself more resilient and to put myself in a position where that will never happen to me again? Or that if it happened again, I'm not only going to survive it, but I'm going to thrive and i just i just wonder how much of that self perspective that internal locus of control Mm. we can people
2: can gain and how much of that would help yeah i don't know that's but that's that's their burden right so what we talked about earlier but um that was a neat point that you brought up made me think of something that i did want to talk about like um having those barriers um uh, um um you know you you're you're setting up um, a barrier to say, I'm not going to allow that person in to here, And that, that's, that's wisdom. I mean, you know, it has to be healthy to, to say, I'm not allowing that person into my inner circle until I really know them. I'm not going to, and and this is a really hard one for, for, for people, especially guys. Um, I'm not going to have sex with that woman until Uh, I'm married. Yeah. I know people that do that. I don't know if I could have done it. But no, no, I'm just saying, you know, you know, I don't know. I, 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 thank God I don't have to, to, to think about that anymore. But, um, it, it, those are, those are tough things to, to deal with. Um, if you do, you run the risk that you've allowed somebody into a circle that shouldn't be there yet. And, 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 and that transition has to be carefully thought out. You know, I think about like, uh, think about this. I, I think, uh, i'm trying to think who said this i think it was robbie zacharias and maybe he was quoting somebody else but he said you you gotta consider before you tear down a fence why it was there put there in the first place oh yeah so the fence that's containing your kid in your yard may be the same fence that's preventing the pit bull from the neighbor's yard from coming over in your yard mm-hmm. so we have to be very cautious about um who we let into our circles and 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 cautious about how we uh, utilize our time with those people's people in the circle. So, in other words, you know, if I just spend all my time with my family, and I don't have any friends, well, that's not healthy, right? And on the on the other end of it, if I'm with my friends and I'm never with my family, that's going to be conflict too. So, um, having like a healthy balance, you know, I'm quoting people now, so it's like that's okay, Mister Miyagi. You know. <laughs> Balance, Danielson. Uh, uh, yeah i want to see you slap your hands
1: and just go you know real <laughs> yeah, yeah. quick and you know that's nice healing <laughs> no i i think i think you're right but i think it's also a willingness to be open-minded and to learn from your mistakes mm-hmm. and i think uh you know anybody that knows me they they consider me to be stubborn and persistent and um uh challenging i can be very challenging quite a bit uh and, and I don't really try to be challenging. No. Uh, I think the, I'm trying to be open-minded, but logical. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that you, I think that's one thing that people, uh, have a hard time with is opening themselves up to all these different realms of possibility. Um, doesn't mean they have to accept it. It just means that they, they're open to it, that they're, they're exposing themselves to it. And then, uh, you know, learning from your mistakes you know, saying that about, you know, I don't know. I, I was talking to that physician yesterday and uh, one of the things she told me was she walks into a restaurant, all right, Applebee's, you know, because you have to get a reservation for those places. <laughs> they're, they're pretty hot. Um, but anyway, what she notices right away is people's drinks, in particular alcoholic beverages. And she'll say, oh, that person's got a little bit left in this glass or in this bottle uh, why aren't they drinking it? It's going to waste. What's wrong with them? And, and or, or, you know, I had a drink. How come they're not keeping up with me kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And I said, I never thought about that. And that's got to be a difference. And she said to me, it's funny because when she was going through AA, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people said the same thing.
2: Now, you, you didn't say that in the beginning, or I missed it in the beginning that she was a recovered alcoholic. Yes. But yeah. as soon as you started talking about measuring people's drinks, I was like, she must be an alcoholic. Did you <laughs> did you do that as well? Of course. Did you, yeah, you yeah, notice? Yeah, you did? I noticed everything. Yeah, Because oh, yeah. he everything said the same <laughs> said,
1: said thing. Oh, okay. You said the same thing. Yeah, You're like, I did. why aren't you
0: keeping up with me, Ray? Or yeah, why we'd you be out, out. Like, literally, Like I, I, I commended Ray recently. Where was where uh you remind me where but because he It was with Vinny actually when we sat down with Vinny he finished his beer mm-hmm. i'd never seen him finish a beer wow. ever wow. i'd finished his beers <laughs> um, because what do you mean he can't like that's uh, th- 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 did he drink the whole first one yeah let alone two or three or <laughs> more um <laughs> we we had gone out one time to to my favorite bar and I introduced him to, to my favorite beer and he didn't like it, but he could have given it back and they would have (laughs) given him something else, but I was like, no, just leave me that. I'll take that one (laughs) and whatever. And so now I'm two down. He got the next one, liked it a little better, but still didn't finish it. So he leaves. I stay next friend comes. And wondering, why is Joe so drunk?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: fault. microbrewery, was a little bit, I mean, heavier alcohol too, but mm-hmm. it, yeah, cause I couldn't let him go to waste. Um, I, I would, I, w- I would, I would do that with friends. I wouldn't go around and grab other strangers left drinks. Um, but I'm sure that people out there do, um, or have, um, so that yeah that that is a very common thing like like that I've seen with with other people that relate. But know? why
1: why do you think that is? I mean like I was when I was talking to that physician I was wondering I think that's why people also do that with food addictions. They look at someone's plate and they're going, "Oh man, yeah, it's important to you. There's people in mm-hmm. other parts of the world that are starving. Yeah. You've got to finish that, you know?" And and yeah. instead, you know, and usually like somebody that's a little bit healthier, a little bit skinnier, they don't feel the impulse to finish it or rush themselves to eat it or somebody who doesn't have a, you know an addiction doesn't feel the impulse to finish the beer or they may take longer to finish the beer there's no rush um but what, like I didn't know that this was a common theme mm-hmm. among people with addictions and I just wonder like is that just something that's just innate or is that something that you kind of just develop
2: I think you probably develop it I think it's yeah.
0: multifactorial as well um Cause part of me, why I want to finish, I'll, I'll finish everything by the way. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not just alcohol. I don't want to let anything I've paid for or I'm buying go to waste. Oh, I see. Tell that to my refrigerator and the vegetables. But <laughs> when it's, when it's yeah. something easily yeah. consumable, it's like, oh man, a, you know, a soda or, or a beer or, you know,
2: <laughs> were you taught I, that as a kid? Don't let the food go to waste kind of thing probably yeah i think so yeah me Um, too. i taught my kids that sorry guys but uh
1: (laughs) yeah that's interesting (laughs) because because you guys have a similar outlook to that and so when i was a kid you know i didn't get fed a lot like it was i grew up on the other side of the tracks i grew up in group homes and foster care Mm. and uh so i I don't remember the meals for them for those places um but you know, living with your a parent who's not who's, who's who can be negligent, mm-hmm. um, and and getting food was like a, a treat. It was mm-hmm. like a, you know you know I, I depended heavily on school lunches, so you know as far as like uh, food, so I didn't waste food uh, because I you know that was all I was getting you know for the most part, so. But it was never, hey, you better eat all that because, you know, there's starving kids in Africa. It was, I better eat that because I'm, I don't know if I'm going to eat later tonight or tomorrow. So it's interesting. And maybe that's part of the reason, you know, but it's interesting to see a common theme there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to bring up was, we've talked about this before, alcohol has existed for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to infringe on anybody's beliefs but if we if we think in, uh, in the concepts of evolution, you you know you evolve to tolerate certain things or you evolve to um, adapt. Mm-hmm. You, everybody's we have this adaptability. Well, what's interesting is is that uh, right around the time that civilization was transitioning from a nomadic lifestyle to uh, an agricultural life, lifestyle, of settlements, they discovered alcohol. Alcohol has been in our human history for thousands and thousands of years. And, but when they brewed alcohol, they had alcohol content that was much lower. And you're talking about like 1% one to 3%. And wine was probably as high as like 6 to 8%. Now you look at alcohol today, mm-hmm. the concentration is so high, so high. And one of the arguments is uh, if you were nomadic, you had to have uh, alcohol because alcohol kills everything and water if you wanted fresh water to drink Mm -hmm. a safe drinking supply you would have alcohol Mm -hmm. to drink um because you never know when you're going to have water and you never know when you're gonna have safe water uh as opposed to those that were settling you know they would brew alcohol for ritual experiences and religious ceremonies and such so it's interesting to me to see uh, a difference in our evolutionary history our human history per se um and maybe We're just, you know, like anything else, just abusing the food source.
2: Well, remember now, a lot of drinks have sugar in them, and and alcohol itself is like a denatured sugar. And I know you guys probably know way more about that than I do, but I know that it breaks down and it's just like sugar, right? So, And sugar is really addictive, and there's a reason why sugar is addictive. It's because it tastes good. (laughs) 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 No, I I think it's the easiest. You, You guys also could probably teach me on this, but it's like from biology 101 in college, it's the easiest thing for our bodies to break down and sugar to make energy, right? So, so sugar is really, you know, that's what, that's why it tastes so good. And it's universally good. And you can't find somebody that says sugar is terrible tasting. And, um, so I do, I did this sugar test one time. I call it, I'll call it sugar test. So I wanted to teach my kids about addiction. I wanted them to learn from me what it was, how to identify it, not, not figure it out on their own kind of thing. And, um, so, so I, I made him a proposal. I said, I will give you each a hundred dollars if you'll go three days without sugar. And then I think my oldest was maybe 13, my, the, which would make my youngest make me around 10 at the time. And my youngest is a pretty sharp kid. And he's like, he says, "Well, well does, you know, like describe the parameters of that. What, 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 what are we gonna? What exactly is this gonna entail?" I said, "Well, okay." I said, "I don't really know because I'm also a sugar junkie." <laughs> I said, "But um, yeah, we'll let your mom pick it out because she's m- much better." I said, "But you're just gonna have no sugar for three days. Hundred dollars." I said, "I'll give you hundred dollars." My oldest son didn't even blink an eye. He said, "Nope, not interested." <laughs> Can't do wow. it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's then, so hard. <laughs> and, then, and then Sam was like well, uh, tell me more. And I tell him a little bit more. And then finally he's like, nah, doesn't sound like a deal. Hmm. A- and and I was like, wow. I said, so now you see, I said, this is pretty powerful. I said, yeah. you guys, are, I mean, for a 13 year old or a 10 year old, a hundred dollars, you know, yeah. hey, you're a millionaire. For right. a 36 year old. Yeah. You're a millionaire. <laughs> like I got a hundred dollars in the bank. So, so I said, now you understand addiction. You, you are addicted to sugar. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not going to have this, it potentially won't have the same ramifications as being addicted to crack cocaine. But, um, I can't see you, you know, out on the park bench trying <laughs> yeah. to get some sugar. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> no, but- maybe that's just a scarcity thing. I don't know. You know, if it was scarce, maybe you would, I don't know. Yeah. No, who knows what you'd do for a Klondike bar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, but you're right though. And that's one of the importance between food science and, the uh, food industry is, Uh, They've discovered the ratio of fat and sugar Mm -hmm. and how that affects your pleasure, pleasure portions of your brain to get you addicted to the food. So this whole concept, I get irritated a lot with people that talk about willpower and discipline for nutrition to lose weight. And it's not that easy, you know, for a single mother who's raising three kids, working two or three jobs, and she can only afford certain types of food. And that food has been formulated to be more addictive. And therefore, you know, the children want a little bit more, the mother wants a little bit more, or maybe she knows it's not good for them, but the kids are wanting it, wanting it, wanting it, and she's got to go to work and she just caves in and go, go ahead and get it. So the sugar sugar and the fat ratio or sugar in of itself is far more the most addictive substance in the world. Mm -hmm. The second most heroin, Mm. the third most alcohol. Mm. And, and this is what's crazy alcohol, which is an illegal drug. It's a legal drug. Okay. Whereas heroin is not, um, crack is like the fourth or fifth most addictive Mm -hmm. cocaine and crack, uh, substance in the world. So alcohol and, uh, Benzodiazepines, which is another legal drug, are the two drugs that you cannot withdraw cold turkey from. They right. will they'll kill you. They'll kill you. Yeah, they'll kill you. You have to be slow. But heroin cold turkey? Oh you really? Know. I didn't. Know yeah, that. you can go cold turkey and not die from you're a still heroin go. drugs You get Some real sick and real uncomfortable. You get real sick. It won't yeah, die. but you, you'll you. feel like you're dying. Mm-hmm. But alcohol and benzodiazepines, two legal hmm. drugs. You know, and you know what's not on those substances for addictive uh, for addictions? Hmm. Psych- psychedelics. LSD, DMT, hmm. MDA. Um, you know, it's just crazy to me. But but that, that sugar, I don't think I could <laughs> I don't think exactly. I could definitely Yeah. It's hard, right? <laughs> did you do it?
2: No. Oh. No. I think and, I could do it. But, I think yeah, I could. But in 3 it's, days. It's, I could but look, do that. it's a great way to, to 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 you know, to explain to a child yeah. like what addiction is. I I hope I hope it really like hit home for them. I hope they you know, they think about that when when they they're later in life exposed to those things, you know. Um That's a that's great important. strategy. That's yeah.
1: that, cuz they'll think back on that. Have you used that with any of your uh uh um counselees as far as No. <laughs> no, that, I, oh.
2: I just I sort of thought of it as a kids thing cuz if you're already addicted to crack cocaine, you know what addiction is, yeah. so that might not be relevant, but uh yeah.
1: Do you internalize it, though? Like at the time that you are addicted
2: to alcohol or whatever
1: substance it is, is it internalized within you that you are you have an addiction?
3: Mm,
1: no, As, not me, until after the fact, For me, right? not initially. No, yeah.
2: not initially. I remember like people coming up to me and, and saying stuff like that. Like, you know, I think you got a problem. My dad used to go to AA or something and I am like... I didn't even know what AA was. I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, you're like, "No, I'm fine. Leave me alone." <laughs> like, and I, and I was, you know, even though, even though I was, I I would proclaimed to be a Christian at the time. Um. You know, maybe two years, probably prior to that, I, I was still an alcoholic and, and, and a Christian, which don't really go hand in hand. I tell you, when you, when you, when you accept Christ into your life, um, if you believe this sort of thing. There's a spiritual warfare going on, and 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 when you become a Christian, um, you're not on the enemy's side anymore, and, and you're an immediate red flag, and you will be attacked personally in every way, um, and you, you, people aren't usually prepared for that, you know. Sure. I wasn't. I was told that, and I wasn't prepared for that, and man, was I attacked, and uh, and. and you know, the, the, the secret to it is, is hold the course, you know, keep, keep doing it. And, uh, and, and it'll work out. But, um,
1: yeah. So you felt like you developed a stronger internal locus of control. Like I was talking about earlier, like you said, I'm gonna hold the course. I'm not going to let this stray. I'm not going to let it make me stray. Mm -hmm. And you became a stronger
2: individual through it. Nobody's going to be, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. It's Nobody who hasn't experienced this is ever going to understand it. Um, I, I prayed to God that, that, that he would remove this from me, and it was removed. And I, I, I don't understand why people tell me they've prayed and it wasn't removed. I don't understand that. But it was removed. I, I've had temptation, but I have not had the urge like that I needed to have that. Um, God did that for me. I believe that. Is that
1: the proof that you were speaking to earlier as far as like, you know, you, when you, when you, uh, you may have been a Christian, but at the time when you were struggling with the addiction and you, you discovered God Mm -hmm. or you said, you know, you said something more along the lines that, uh, it was proved to you. Mm -hmm. Is this the proof that you're talking about? Or was there another example of that? Or you saw, you like saw him.
2: Mm, So long ago when we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did I've never physically uh seen God. I've never physically heard from God. Um I I have suspicions of doubt of people who say that they have, but yeah. you know, I can't say that they're liars, so I I just say, Okay, well that's their experience and and, and God'll reveal himself to me when you know, in a different way.
1: But you felt like maybe that was a the the revealing was you prayed to him to help you with this addiction and it, it
2: worked. did that reveal God to me yeah no in a sense no oh no, okay. no no I, I can talk about that experience i love that experience because uh it, it was it was it was something else but uh you want me to allude? yeah no go no ahead. okay I yeah yeah I'll, love I, I love this story so um so i was i was an atheist um slash agnostic which means uh i don't believe that there is a god right or if i'm an agnostic for maybe the audience that doesn't know i i don't think that i'm really can really determine. I just don't have enough evidence or I'm not smart enough to determine whether there is or isn't a God. And um, I, I, but I, but I saw, I grew up um, with my grandfather taking me to church and I saw the value in, in, in the, the, the relationships and the, and the personal values. So I wanted that for my children. And my wife is a Christian and I, I kind of came to the conclusion, although this is, (laughs) this isn't how you should come to it. I, I said, you know, if she's pursuing that, and I'm not somehow with her with that. We'll be divorced, oh, okay. so I said, you know what I, I I love the healthy portion of what church offers. Um, there's nothing bad about it, right Nothing bad about it, really and I said, I, I want my kids to grow up in that. I want my kids to have that belief because I know there's value in that belief and i so we went to church right, and we listened to music and I'd read the Bible. I probably may have read the Bible more then than I do now and and, um, the, the day came when I, when I started to really analyze my thought patterns and I said, you know, I was going to church and I was going, you know what? And I'm questioning God and I'm saying, you know, this can't, this can't be real. Like, and, and I said, you know, just, just for today, just, just not even the whole day. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna deny the thoughts in my head that God doesn't exist between here and going to church. And that's a pretty short drive. I mean, that was only like five miles the bombardment in my own mind was not my own bombardment. Like I was asked, every time I'd ask a question in my mind, I would shoot it down and go, no, we're not, I'm not thinking about that. And I could not shut it off. And it seemed external. And I and, I, and it's, by the time I got to the church, I was like, wow, that was crazy. There was a lot going on in my head. And I, and I thought, well, okay, I made it here. I didn't really discount anything. And then I went up and sat in the church. I did not hear a thing that went on in that church, but I looked at this one man the whole time. He was a patient of my wife's. And, and she told me a story about how he was an evangelical. He was an author, and um, he had been a, a brothel owner and I think up in New Jersey and almost went down in a Rico stat thing and, 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 and was just an awful person, but you know, it changed his life. And, and church ended, and I, I physically felt a push in my eardrum, on my right ear. To follow that guy, I don't, I can't explain it. It wasn't like I had a head cold or anything. And and um, that was the start. I met this guy and we we talked and he 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 sat down and spent time with me to answer the questions of doubt. And uh, ever since then I I've, I believed. But again, that's why I say once once you start believing, you become you become a soldier against the against the enemy and and you become target and you either start following the guidelines of the christianity that you just proclaim, proclaimed you believe in
3: mm-hmm.
2: or or you're going to be attacked you're going to be easily picked off so
3: yeah
2: huh
1: okay and uh well i don't know that sounds great and it sounds like your wife was that candle that mm-hmm. you know you talk about in christianity you talk about being the light in the world mm-hmm. especially in the darkness and uh she led you out uh, led you out of that and into something that you know is better for you um. Okay. I don't know what else to say to that. That was an awesome story, actually. Thank you. I like yeah. it. Uh, do you still? Uh, are you still in
2: contact with that gentleman? Um. Uh, from time to time, we'll touch touch base with one another. That's he's, cool. Yeah. He's he definitely taught me a lot of stuff about how to how to minister to people and things like that. Um, because that's his thing, sort of, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. I still keep in contact with him. That's awesome. From time to time. What about
1: you? You got anything like that?
0: So. I've got, I've, I've got an interesting, um, encounter. I'll call it, um, UFO. Uh, almost. UAP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it came from above. Uh, I, and this is kind of a, this is, this is a classic, this is a classic story. Um, some of my closest friends know, know this story, um, because they were there. Um, but I I grew up in a church, in the church, in a Christian church, and when I was in, oh, it had to be high school, like early high school, um, we participated in, our church participated in a basketball tournament. So we got a group of guys um, from the church and their friends to band a basketball team together and travel to Kissimmee to the Florida Statewide Christian Basketball Tournament. And, um, I got a few of my friends to come along and we wanted and thought, this is a great time to bring some booze into the event. So <laughs> <laughs> we brought, uh, and this, and this really was like, it, it must've been in my first, and like, it was obviously in my early drinking years. Cause I was in high school and so I was 16, 17 years old. We took about a big bottle of wine, um, that I think my friend stole from his job. And then with the other one, I don't know where we bought it, but a bottle of aftershock and we mm. drive up in a van with the other kids and guys that were chaperoning. And we stopped at a mall to go to the bathroom, get some food. And we popped the cork on the bottle of wine. Um, I think we did it actually before we stopped. So we drank this bottle in the back of the bus we didn't have a cork or a bottle opener. So we had to like, like try to dig this cork out. So we got cork mess all over the back of the bus. Um, we drank, so we drank that on the trip, uh, or on that right there. We threw the bottle away when we got off the bus at the, at the mall. Later that evening, we busted out the, the liqueur and, um, we drank it and it got pretty unruly. Um, remember like my friend was a hockey player. He's body checking the the soda machine out by the pool, and I mean, we're clearly drunk. Um, one of the chaperones knew. Um, kinda, he did a great job. Kind of turned the other way. Kind of turned his head the other way. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know. One of the other kids eventually told one of the other chaperones. Um, mm-hmm. and on, and so then it became aware to us by the end of the tournament. First of all, we lost terribly. Um, couldn't play worth a damn. I, I couldn't anyway. Well, um, not if
1: you're body checking a soda machine. Yeah. That's a different uh, sport.
0: So, uh, but then, so it became aware that, okay, we're caught, we're busted. How could we not be? And I'm just, I'm, so I'm going through like, okay, what do I need to do to, um, minimize the the damage here and hopefully not let this get back to my parents. I got to talk to to Bob, the the other chaperone that now knows, and I'm going through what I'm going to say. And we're riding, and this is on the bus ride home. And I'm thinking like, okay, here's how I'm going to approach him. I'm going to go, I'm going to tell him, you know, first thing, Bob, we need to talk. You're like 16, right? Yeah, 16 or 17. I'm just, yeah, 16. I, I'm imagining what this conversation is like with a kid. <laughs> go, go ahead. So, and and that's about as far, I think, as it, well, right at that moment, as I'm thinking how I'm going to approach Bob and say that we need to talk, we passed a big billboard, a big black billboard with big white letters that said, we need to talk. And at the bottom was dash God. And I'm like, oh my God. That's literally what I was just thinking. Here's this sign. This is from God. Okay. I don't remember what I thought after that. I was just shocked. I was amazed. I was like, that's incredible. That's crazy. The coincidence that that would just pop up on the side of the road while I'm thinking that in my head. Um, So we got back. I didn't go up to Bob and (laughs) <laughs> almost immediately my parents came over and, and they, you know, the whole thing, it was blown. So got in trouble. And, but, but that, that moment, I, I just remember like, man, that was crazy. It was, that was really crazy. Now that was obviously the very beginning of my drinking career. So things drifted further away from church and from God and into agnostic and um, or atheistic thoughts and behavior. And until eventually I came to the point where you know everything had fallen apart or wasn't working, and I had to start to do something else, or do something again, and find a find that relationship with a higher power, and start to do and work towards that. Um, and one of the one of the biggest lines I think that was able to bring me back towards a more spiritual lifestyle is that um, because I was I was investing into all of my perceived negative thoughts about church and religion of any kind and organizations that were, that were, you know, running religious religion. And, uh, the line that I read that brought me back said, be quick to notice where religion got it right. I'm like, Oh, well, of course there's a lot of good to come out of religion and a lot of, a lot of positives there. That's where we need to spend the time. That's where we need to make the investment, and that's where we need to focus on is where's the good because there's always going to be bad things to come along with anything, especially the more people involved. But so I was able to use that to start, you know, living more of a lifestyle of that on that good side, and start to trust in God and trust in uh, just something other than myself to to take to help carry that burden that we talked about earlier. Um, and, and like Brian said, that took a lot that, that, that obsession, that impulse or that, that just that desire that pushes you so strongly to take, to, to make that next drink, to take that next drink, because that was a really, really hard part about the separation from the alcohol is that I still wanted it a lot badly. And in all the times you had mentioned, asked him earlier, if he kind of, knew or was aware or if we were aware or thought about like are we alcoholic or do we have a problem or is this is this a problem or being aware of that obsession or that like why can't we let people not finish their drinks Mm -hmm. um I had become aware of that for a I think for a long time um and I wasn't okay with it I didn't like it I didn't like that. I was aware that, Hey, I shouldn't really be drinking as much as I do. I shouldn't be acting the way I'm acting. I shouldn't be, you know, uh, doing this. So I was guilty and, um, it, it got to the point where I would even hide or try to hide my drinking from somebody or something in a time that it really didn't even need to be hidden. So now I'm thinking like, why am I trying to go out of my way to hide this when I don't need to? that's when it really started to to look to me like this is a problem so um, evil isolates yeah yeah so I had um I had taken numbers and from T you know commercials like do you need help do you think you have a problem call this number here's a treatment center here's a counselor I've got all these numbers saved on my phone still even today I never called any of them never reached out never hit that spot where I needed to reach out and get the help that I that I wanted and that I needed and I don't know why it, it, it just took it took that, that that rock bottom I guess which is different for everybody um to find to 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 come to the realization that I needed the help or the the desire to reach out and get it the and the willingness the, the willingness I think to to reach out and, and take that um and and even just making that first like coming to that knowing that I needed that I should stop and then finding the willingness to stop was kind of two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as, as soon as I kind of came to that, that decision, like, okay, things are now finally bad enough and the odds have, I've stacked the odds up against me tall enough that uh, if I don't turn around right now, everything's going to fall apart. You know, I, uh, it, my whole life is going to be an even worse disaster. So for me, I guess my rock bottom potentially could be said, because it certainly couldn't gotten worse, but I didn't want it to get worse. I knew if it got any worse, I was in trouble that, that it might get too hard. It might be too hard to come back from. Um, so I, I, that's when I reached out that's when I reached out to, to actually to, to Brian's wife and she connected me with Brian and we went from there. Um, just sitting down and making that first con that first conversation was so difficult, but also necessary at the same time. But as soon as I, uh, opened up and shared and admitted that, that, that I was struggling, um, that made the very, that made the next step easier. And every time a sac- like every time, a uh, I laid my vulnerability out there, I think it made the next step easier. Um, because it's part of the, the, acceptance of the change, uh, of lifestyle and, um, behaviors was just hitting that point. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it. And another, the other side of it that we talked about with the relationship with God and, or a higher power is finding the willingness to believe in that or believe in something. And um, I think another one of the lines, one, one of the ideas or suggestions was that if you're struggling to believe yourself, but you know somebody over here who's had success does believe in God or higher power or his the solution that he's found, he believes that that's work, that that is real and is working and helped. Do you believe that he believes that that was working? And if you can believe that he believes, go with that. Start with that Um, and then work on your own beliefs and faith and steps. So those two things, seeing where religion got it right Mm -hmm. and focusing on that and practicing that and seeing other people that strongly, that believed more than I did to kind of help me along, help me get into it or or walk the walk.
1: And you feel like that's necessary? You feel like... You have to go over that approach. Which approach? The approach that there's a higher power. I think that everybody, or you think it just helps. Does it, that, it helps does it greatly? Help or does it? Is it necessary? That's that's the question.
0: That's a tough question. Um, I think it helps more often than it than not. Brian, I think what in do you, most cases it, what do you it's. Think?
2: I've never seen anybody successful. I'm going to measure success in sobriety as two years of sobriety. That's how I do it. I don't know. There's no real formula to say you're successfully sober now. You've right. graduated. Um, but the statistics show that if you've had two years of sobriety and um, that your chances of staying sob- sober for the rest of your life is pretty darn great. So I'm going to say um, that's a measure of success. Another measure of success is uh, thirty days, because if you can do thirty days, you're physically non-addicted to that. So, um, yeah, I'd say I'd say that that's. Um, I have not seen anybody reach that stage without having some spiritual, okay, uh, belief. Okay. So that's my personal evidence. Sure.
0: That's kind of a, a where a lot of the. Some of the newer studies are coming from as well, um, with the people using the hallucinogens to have a, a spiritual experience, Mm -hmm. um, to change their psychological or their, um, to to change their perspective. Really? Um, I don't know how far or how, like I've, I've only heard a few of the people that are talking about it say that they some people do maybe a few, maybe like three, three times they'll, they'll have this, um, the, this hallucinogen or this drug or this trip, and then they're done and they're all better. Or they, they're, they're, they're on their way. Anyway, other ta- other people I've heard, I've heard them talk about somebody doing just once and that was enough. They said, Holy cow. It became all so much different. That psychological change that they didn't need anymore they didn't come back they're like nope good 10 years later still sober still mm-hmm. doing uh, you know still
1: thriving even um, even the ba- even a bad trip but it's not necessarily because of an acknowledgement of a higher power it's because of a uh, dissolving of the ego and a reconnection into um, a higher consciousness you could say or a connection between life a lot of them talk about how they themselves dissolve and they realize that they're a part of everything Mm -hmm. and everyone and it becomes it's comforting because you aren't alone you're a part of everything and the same thing with like you're talking about you know you're facing death death is knocking at your door and you have uh, uh, a uh cybacillin or you um take dmt and it's a comforting because you realize that you're a part of everything and that you are not necessarily by yourself. And there is no necessarily an end point if you would. Um, But certainly some with like DMT, they do describe most, most of the time they describe uh, an interaction with entities Mm -hmm. and those entities are similar in nature from case to case, whether or not that's a higher power, who knows, but um, that entity helps them realize to break down the construct of themselves mm-hmm. and they get over themselves, over their ego and realize the connection they have with everything else.
0: I would say if we, I think that a, like an awakening uh, in in the case of the, of the people who have felt like they finally blended into a part of everything. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of like an awakening to the rest of the world, to the rest of the universe, to the rest of, of existence. Um, and a lot of the times we'll say we, I, 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 a lot of the terms we use just kind of, I think it, or or make it easier. Like when we talk about God, some people just call their higher power God because God is an easy way to identify whatever their higher power is, Mm -hmm. especially if they don't even know what it is. But, um, a spiritual, uh, the word spiritual, I think often gets grouped into the religious side of things. Um, and it can be obviously, certainly can be, but it could also be almost, I don't want to say detached, but somewhat uh, separated from the whole, from religion into just a, a mindset um, or lifestyle, but like that spiritual awakening, uh, coming to a different awareness of what else is around you, what else is out there, like if, and in my opinion, in my, my thought to become more one with the universe and or everything in existence is like a spiritual awakening to a higher power like that everything universe thing around you would become your higher power um it's enlightenment enlightenment yeah it's it's achieving some
1: form of enlightenment whether it's through christianity or through meditation or through hinduism um and of course though you have religions that are, are rooted in that this is you know, through the way through enlightenment is really through Christ. The way through enlightenment is through Allah. The the way through enlightenment is such and such. But um, that's what it is. It's that spiritual awakening that you're talking about is like a form of enlightenment, in which case you lose the uh, the selfish perspective and you gain insight mm-hmm. into something that's bigger than you, and in that in essence, comforts you to make the next step or to help you overcome something, right? But this goes back to the concept, you know, there's archaeological evidence now that we have that humans have been lacing alcohol, alcoholic beverages, whether it be beer or wine, with um, hallucinogens, mushrooms predominantly. This is why Santa Claus is, uh, has a red and white robe with a green pine tree. Uh, the idea that relig- uh, religious and, and ritualistic practices utilize alcohol with hallucinogens to basically facilitate the enlightenment of that experience you're talking about pagans no even within uh christianity yeah yeah they found they found
2: archaeological evidence within uh so christianity only goes back two thousand years right so Mm -hmm. um and there's subsects of christianity and every religion that, that 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 do things under the "Quote unquote Christian" or "quote unquote Muslim" that aren't really yeah, uh, biblical,
1: right? Well, I mean, if we go back to the time of uh, go back to Judaism, mm-hmm. there's archaeological evidence that you know uh, people of Judaic practice, the Jews, were using hallucinogenic substances uh, in supplementation with alcohol or in of itself. It, it was just part mm-hmm. of the ritualistic experience. Uh, they, would, they would do other things that were uh, not using al- alcohol and drugs. They would do sleep deprivation. They would do fasting, um, fasting as well. Things that can lead to uh, um, hallucinations or uh, to, uh, to a, a state of exhaustion or a state of altered being, if you would. And they would have visions and they would have a different perspective. They would achieve a, a form of spiritual enlightenment. But then you you go you fast forward in the Christianity, you see references uh, from archaeological texts and also from uh, uh, clay pots, pottery and whatnot. You see that wine has been laced with uh, hallucinogens uh, for again for religious for re- uh, religious and ritual uh, experiences, um, and and then you look at that in comparison to other religions, and the same thing holds true. You have a lot of archaeological evidence that is coming out most recently to link uh, Israel, uh, Greek, and Roman um, uh, empires together with alcohol and uh, hallucinogens. And then, of course, sleep deprivation, fasting, um, things to that, to that experience to achieve a, a, a higher state. The, the Mayans did as well, so did the Incans. They did things that were very similar in that nature. To celebrate a festival that carried on for seven days versus thirteen days, or to achieve a a, a religious experience, the Hopi Indians did it with peyote. There, or throughout all the populations of the world, there has been some experimentation with uh, hallucinogens and alcohol, mm-hmm. also with other means of um, achieving a spiritual enlightenment. Sweat lodges is one of them as well. So so, but the point is is that you know to that to to your point is that that enlightened experience that experience of spiritual awakening or or enlightenment helps you helps comfort you for whatever you're you're going to achieve but also can help you um, um, overcome an obstacle or develop a sense of resilience for whatever it is that you're doing
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know yeah it it, it you know there, i'm i, I Feel like it gives you as i mentioned earlier just somewhere something to help deload your your struggles with um and sometimes just enough to put you at peace for the day for the hour whatever whatever it is whatever it can be a shorter or longer amount of time but um being able to find a sense of peace or find it and and goes a long way yeah
1: a lot of your like myths talk about this stuff too. You know, a hero goes on a quest and they've got to achieve something of uh, of extreme difficulty. They have to overcome a task, and they utilize a substance or a technique to uh, over to to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to the whole religious experiences. Uh, that's not to say that. That one is better than the other, or one is wrong or not. Um, that that really, I, in my perspective, as a person who doesn't, I don't perceive that. Maybe I haven't internalized an addiction. Uh, you know, I'm open to that idea, but I don't have, I don't seem to have an addiction to to anything at this time. Um, but that's to that point, I can see the 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 benefit and the use of finding a higher a higher uh, power, and a higher calling to allow you to overcome something that is otherwise extremely challenging.
2: And you know, I'll say that, that Christianity, I think, is unique in that. that it, 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 has a, it has a relational part in it that other religions don't have. So I, I believe in, that God desires to be in relationship with all of us he he wants that for all of us and i and i didn't i really didn't understand and I, and i can't i don't want to i don't want to make this sound like no one can understand this until i had children i did not understand um how god's relationship is to me until i had that relationship with somebody else somebody much smarter than me could probably figure that out but i did not really understand that until i had children and and when they got to actually kind of being people you know because for like first two years they're just crying and pooping and whatever <laughs> all <laughs> but, over the floor <laughs> right right but but it's kind of like and and i heard it, i heard a guy say this one time and i was like yeah that's i think it's donald miller he says so god wants to be in relationship with you and and, and he says and he sits down he's it's like he's got this big giant box of crayons and he's got this big you know like a butcher sheet of paper and he says let's sit down and draw something let's do let's let's create something See, because we think that god like has this path for us and you, you can believe whatever you want and, and i i may be wrong that god has this specific path in my life and sometimes i think people especially in christianity use that as an excuse right god doesn't really, you know obviously god doesn't want that for me There are times in history where God had a specific purpose for a specific purpose or person in a specific moment. Say, Mary needed to be the mother of Jesus, or, 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 and, but, but for the most part, God's like, hey, what do, what do you want to draw, you know? And then Donald Miller says, well, I told him I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a photographer at Mardi Gras. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 it has to be a good picture it has to be in the guidelines of what you know what we believe but what do you want to draw what do you want to do with your life you know and and uh having that perspective has really changed how i i've thought about things you know and and uh we can we can decide to be uh drug addicts, and we can decide to, to have those relationships, and we can decide to go to jail. Uh, these are all the, the courses of the decisions that we make, or we can draw another picture, and uh, there's going to be struggles along the way. There's going to be broken crayons. You're not going to have the color you wanted, um, but, but um, and, and you may never f- succeed in finishing the picture, If you know, um, but, but it's the journey, right? And, 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 um, and and God in my belief in, in the Christian belief I'd say not that I speak for all Christians but um he he wants to be in relationship with me he wants to be in relationship with you and he wants to be in relationship with you and he's chasing after you it's just you have to you have to be willing and open minded to to be open to it. Kind
1: of like that toddler who's running straight. You think they're going to run straight, and then they take a left. <laughs> they go right between your legs, <laughs> and they're covered in they're covered in grease, right? Yeah. So then they just slip by. No, I, I think that's beautiful um, in that sense, and I understand where you're coming from because, you know, we I've talked about this uh, so many times. Uh, it's really hard to tell somebody how much you love your children. It's really hard to tell your children how much you love them, yeah, because they haven't experienced what you've experienced. And this is coming from a guy, like I said, you know, I didn't want, I, I didn't want children. I didn't want to get married. I told my wife at the time, I, I'm just going to Charlie Sheen around. You know, this is when Charlie Sheen was cool and wasn't crazy.
3: You know, <laughs> he was always crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't t- Tiger
1: Tiger blood at that point. But you know, I just wanted to work enough to travel the world and you know play around. I wanted to be a guy, but. You know, when we had our first child, I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tried to my best ability, but I knew I was going to love my kid regardless. Uh, but it was like somebody literally picked a veil off my eyes. And my life, like, turned. It made a 180-degree turn, and I felt it was, I felt instantly in love with my child.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Instantly. Yeah. And I can't explain that. It's very difficult. This is the best way I can I can. You don't explain have to it. to me. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you get it, right? I totally get it. You yeah. get it. And, and you uh, want nothing but the best yeah. from your child. You want them to develop that autonomy, that independence, yeah. without necessarily going through major mistakes mm-hmm. and, and suffering. But you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't go through that. So, uh, you, they, they have to make mistakes. They have to suffer a little bit in order for them to learn how to be independent make good decisions. But it's so hard to put into words how much you love that that, that child, and how much uh, how much you want to be with them. You know, mm-hmm. it's really difficult. And so, we, what you're saying is, it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. And then that little person, you know, they don't get it. <laughs> they're <laughs> like, "Just get off me, leave me alone," you know. And yeah. they run away from you, but they don't, or they like, "Let me make my own choices," you know, and let me do this and this. And you. You, you have to step aside to let them make that choice but you at the same time you're like uh, maybe uh, don't don't go left go right you know you know it, it's tough yeah. but like drawing a picture you know you want them to draw this you know or do this way because it's gonna help them but yeah. they've got to figure it out and yeah. they don't know how much you love them like that and um, yeah and they eventually they figure it out when yeah. they get older maybe if they have a child or, Maybe they spend some time without you. They kind of figure that out. But that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and, oh, I can't speak to that enough. Um, th- but I did want to say, what do you think of the concept of free will? This is a really complicated, I'm going to kind of trap you As, in this, this one. This is deep. <laughs> this As is deep. the
2: deepest conversation we could have. Yeah, I want to oh,
1: yeah. go into, uh, so there's a lot of people that talk about this. And I'll mainly say, like, I listen to Sam Harris, who doesn't necessarily agree with the concept of free will, you know, and a lot of philosophers don't Mm -hmm. and some scientists, but the idea of like, you know, you have this like butcher block of like paper with crayons Mm -hmm. and God, God being omnipotent, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in Christianity. He knows your choices beforehand. He knows your path beforehand. Mm -hmm. So does that
2: real, is that really free will? Yeah, that, that that is so funny because I, I, you Know, I, I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous about coming here first talking because I, I, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a big talker anyway, you probably don't believe that, but I, I'm not. And um, so, I asked a friend, I was like, Hey, let's let's have you know, just listen to through the things I want to talk about. You know, tell me if you think it's kind of on the same page, just what you think. He's like, Yeah, yeah. And then we got, you know, like you guys sometimes do, we get we went down a rabbit hole, right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we start talking about this very right. subject. And and it was cool because, you know, he he had a little different perspective than I did. And and I've kind of like, okay that does shine some light on that. Um, He said, and it really shined light on it. God is not in this time or any time. He's in everything at once. He can be in things separately. Um, He said that to try to wrap your head around that, you'll never be able to do it. Sure. It's like thanks for this most simple answer to the most complicated question ever. We just won't be able to understand that. Like, it's not within our capability. We can't be outside of time. We're we're stuck in this in this in this time zone, right?
1: We're but, here. But that's where I get confused because in the Bible it talks about free will and choice. You do, and and making the choice to. I mean, the, the Christian means to Christ like, right? be like christ and the essence uh i think christ probably would have been the biggest democrat he would have been giving money to the poor and but mm-hmm. he, all the good things right but mm-hmm. um the idea is that if it's already laid out if there's already uh like a program mm-hmm. okay of your life and he or she knows exactly where you're going and what choices you're going to make, even though you may have two or three different choices, but they know exactly what you're going to choose, mm-hmm. and they knew it before they even created you, then is that
2: really free will? Yeah, it's a, that's a tough question. Yeah, that's a very hard question. I think people have been debating this for years, sure. in my personal opinion, because I think God can step outside of anything. God, God at one point stepped inside of a human, right? We know that through Christ's life and sacrifice he he put himself into the human condition and human suffering and had relationships and I watched a a, a, it's a little bit off subject but I'll get back there Um, I watched like a great show it was called I think it was called chosen I don't remember it was a little anyway it really it was about the life of Jesus and, and 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 the apostles and 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 it was it showed this relationship of them joking and laughing and I was like you know I never really thought of it like that like he was there doing relationship this was the creator one loved us so much that that he that he is willing to to be in relation in in a physical form and um so yeah back to your question I that's a tough question. I don't think it could be ever answered in this yeah. in this lifetime. No. Yeah, it's something that don't. maybe. But I do believe we have free will. Like okay. I, I do believe that. I think maybe maybe it's kind of like I'm making the movie, but God can watch the movie afterwards. Right. You know. It's a good. It's and a... he can tell what the ending was, but I created the ending. Right. Yeah. It's tough.
1: It, it leads to a question. Uh, you know, like a lot of people say, well, um, why suffering? why why make mistakes and mm-hmm. people say well because god gave you free will and you're like well yeah but he's omnipotent and he knows that there's gonna be suffering he knew hitler was gonna do what hitler did and he created them anyway and uh a great story that i heard and i'm probably gonna butcher it of uh christ in the spanish inquisition have you ever heard about this Mm-mm. so it's beautiful so there's a priest okay they're in the spanish a spanish inquisition um and this is fictional right so The priest provides his people of the town with all the food they need, clothing, work, everything, uh, shelter, everything they could possibly, you know, need. And the only requirement is for them to come to church and to abide by the priest's rules and his worship of God. And he's the conduit of God. To people so he's very powerful and this may say sounds like moses continue yeah pretty much right so um it doesn't have a moses like ending though <laughs> uh so the people are doing that and then uh one day christ appears and in the church he shows up in the church and the people are aghast and the priest sees him immediately and has him detained and put into a dungeon below the castle and hidden from the people and say oh it's a hoax and whatnot blah 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 so the people go back out to the fields the farm and whatnot and have their possessions and still abide by the rules of the priest and the priest at this point uh pursues to to beat him torture him similar to that of the uh uh, crucifixion Mm -hmm. and he he approaches christ and he says what are you doing here i've got everything under control they have everything they possibly need why do you think they would need you okay and he doesn't answer. And this infuriates the priest. And he, sa- he, you know, he tortures him a little bit more. And he says to Christ, he says, Do you really think that people want to suffer? That Do you think people want to go without? Do you, want, do you really think people want to make mistakes if you can provide them with every little need of their own? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I provide. Mm-hmm. And he says to Christ, he says to him, I will let you go. But if you ever show up here again, I will crucify you a second time. And so he, he unchains him and Christ approaches the priest, kisses him on the cheek, hugs him and leaves. And the point of this this uh, tale was that without suffering and without mistakes, you can't learn to have free will. You don't have free will if you are given everything you need. Right. Right. So would you rather be free to make the choices that you can make, in which case you will have suffering or you will have mistakes and error? Or would you rather have a life that's contained, a life of no freedom, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: but given everything that you could possibly have? And that's the lesson. Mm -hmm. And I I always think of that story as a beautiful lesson and the fact that from my perspective, if I'm thinking about Daniel Boone, Daniel Boone probably wants absolute freedom. Hmm. You know, it goes back to, like, you can use it in many different instances. You can use it as far as, like, the country's concerned. Mm-hmm. The frontiersmen went out into the frontier with absolute freedom, knowing the risks that they take with the Native Americans, with disease, with lack of food and lack of water. We right? struggle
2: with that question today in our own politics, right? Yeah. How much do I want the government to control, right? Like- right. Um the closer it gets to to communists, the more control they have and is it better I don't know i well I'll tell you
1: to, to like wrap it back around the war on drugs mm-hmm. that's a regular that's a that's a policy developed by the government mm-hmm. that restricts your freedom in choosing what you can and cannot have people have always used drugs mm-hmm. always throughout human history the question becomes uh. Well, if that's the case, can you really prevent people from using it, or maybe you'll help people a little bit more by not telling them they can't do so? It's like that child: mm-hmm. don't go do that, mm-hmm. don't push that red button. No, I want to. You can't do that. And now they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's that. I've i got to go try it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it just it just makes you curious. What if we just said let's end the war on drugs? Cartels would probably collapse, like the prohibition. Mm-hmm. You know people would be free to make their own choices and there would probably be a rough point there for a little bit um i just i don't know i don't know what the answer is but i know that for myself i would want more freedom and less regulation Mm -hmm. to make those choices as opposed to somebody else agreed yeah (laughs) what do you think you got you're in thought over there
0: you're like hmm I've never heard you share that story before. Um, It's a beautiful story, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, like we said at the beginning, this is a deep... It's a deep story. ...subject, deep
1: concept. What makes that interesting is that the priest threatens him, and he chooses to kiss the priest, hug the priest, and walk away. Now, there's certain versions of that story where he whispers in the priest's ear... I love you always and forever, which shows you that the priest himself has freedom of you know uh, freedom of choice. Well, you know, but he does that as a way to remind the priest of who he is, and you know, despite his flaws, he still loves him as you know as a son, um, and he can be forgiven. He doesn't walk away, choosing the alternative that the priest gave him. He walks away and showing the example of the difference between ultimate freedom and limited freedom. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of the presence. It's not to show up and free everybody. It's to show those two caveats and also let the priest know that you know he's still a son of God. He is not God, but it's a very deep story a very deep um tale but i thought it was cool i thought it was cool the way you said it with uh you know it reminded me when you talked about your children Mm -hmm. and it's
2: the same idea you know um to go back to 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 boundaries another another boundary is, is is your time right and and what you've committed to and and um were kind of I don't know why it popped into my head but there was there's a story in the Bible about Jesus and I think you find it in like two of the gospels like Matthew and Luke told two different ways because of two different authors but um he' he's called by someone to come to to a town and and to heal their daughter I believe it was um it's funny because sometimes i I have these guys that I work with they know the Bible way more than I do I mean, they've read that. They've actually read it from front to back because yeah. they've got a lot of extra time.
1: That's me right here. At,
2: yeah. They, I mean, when you're just sitting there in a cell, you have a lot of extra time, right? Yeah. And they, could, and they can quote it, and they can, but they have a lot, a lot of hard, hard time living it. But, um, so, so forgive me if I'm, I'm not really like, that is from Matthew 22. No, it's okay. No, <laughs> okay? No. Or if I mix the <laughs> names up, but I'll get the story right, right. And the point of the story and not the obvious point of the story. Cause that's what makes it interesting. Um, so, so he, he's asked to come heal this, this, this daughter. I think she had already died or she was in the process of dying. So he travels to, to do this. And and he's he's going into into the town and this is gonna be this is gonna be mind blowing okay so he's going into the town so he he shows up he's got his entourage right and and, and people come to see him they they are flocking to him at this point he, he's full blown ministry he's um, and and they're there for a reason right they're there for a reason they want to either be part of a miracle they want to be healed or they want to see a miracle because this guy's performing miracles this is, they're seeing things that it's never happened before and 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 the, the the religious people of the time they're flocking to it so everybody's coming because they want something from him and if he was to try to heal everybody who was sick right there then and there he'd still be he'd still be on this earth because people would keep coming and he'd be on facebook healing people and right. you know right. like it would right. never end it would right. never end but being a, a a steward of his time on earth which was short He's like, I'm going to heal this person, and there's people that day that didn't get healed. That's the reality, right? That's kind of weird. You think of Jesus as like the the you know the the Democrat, the you know the yeah. <laughs> the guy that's do would do for right. everybody. Right? But no, he 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 was also a human, and 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 had a, a defined amount of time on this earth, and and he had a he had made a commitment to do something. And he didn't let these other distractions get to him as he as he pushed through that crowd to get to this person that he was called to go do, right? So we can use that same example in our own lives. I mean, if we tell an employer, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be here at eight o'clock on Monday," mm-hmm. well, you know, alarm didn't go off or my girlfriend called and she needed, you know, those things happen, but they don't happen, you know, three days a week, <laughs> right. right? Right. So right. we got to be we got to be, you know. A, a man of our word and then along the way along the way someone a woman grabs his cloak because she's suffered for i think it says 15 years 20 15 years and and she believed so strongly that christ could heal her that just touching if she could just touch his garment that that would heal her and he notices that in a crowd of people he says who touched who touched my garment who was that right which is pretty cool too no point to that point, other than it's pretty cool yeah yeah yeah
1: did you ever have you ever read any of the Gnostic books? Mm-hmm. okay, did you ever read Reuben or the
2: book of Judas? I've read the book of Judas. Um, what do you think about that story I don't know i don't there you know I think what what makes the bible uh, a uh, an a proven antiquity is the different points from which it comes kind of like it was kind of like the early form of blockchain <laughs> yeah.
0: you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like
2: okay i got this book story on story on story, on, story and you're right. gonna write it you're gonna copy it and you're gonna copy because we didn't have xerox we didn't you know we didn't have a way of scanning it and then and then he's gonna copy your copy and that's how it got out right by handwriting it but they're they're fine they've they've found and continue to find copies of the bible that that are uh, and, you know, the Bible, if you don't know this, I'm sure you guys do, but it's just a collection of different books, yeah, right? right? So, mm-hmm. so but these collections were, um, you know, verified by other um, books. So we we hope that the, the ones that are like Judas, Judas are not, you know, obviously at some point scholars decided that they were verifiable or they weren't. I don't, I, I just, as a, as when I'm transitioned to being a Christian, I had to let go of my pride. Mm-hmm. I had to stop thinking. It was funny because I was listening to one of your podcasts Yeah. and my mm-hmm. wife has told me this before. She says you're just like Raymond. <laughs> 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 and then I'm listening to your podcast and I go, that's exactly how I feel. Like I need to know the information. I need to know the details. Yeah. I need to know everything about it to, to formulate a, uh, a, uh, and understanding. And if I ask you a question and you don't tell me, I don't know, if you say, okay, well, this is what you should do, then I expect you to be able to defend that position. Right. And explain why you came up with that. Right. That's not, and in my mind, that's not me being argumentative. I'm just seeking the truth, right? Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly right. But the problem with that is, and what life has taught me is, is we're pretty unique in that way. Most people aren't like that. and and that and and we're not you know we we have to do relationship with people so sometimes we just have to let go of our pride on things and and that's that's kind of how the bible was for me like there's there's things but is it pride
1: because i think of it more as you think for yourself yeah and you're not looking for a quick answer you're not looking for the simplistic or reductionist view you're not looking at it just because i said so you're looking at like you said you want to understand the truth. And if somebody says, you know, I don't know, that's good enough. Right. The problem is people are not very good at saying, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They want to give you yeah. the BS. Yeah. And you're quick to see past that because mm. you're asking why. Right. And, and that's the number one or has been claimed to be the number one reason uh, or aspect of a leader mm-hmm. or somebody who thinks for themselves is they want to know why. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not necessarily why as to, like, it has to be this way, it has to be that way. Right. It's a why that leads you to thinking for yourself, and you can almost theorize and conceptualize mm-hmm. other things that branch out from that. But you're looking to know that little detail that helps you understand why people think this way, that way, or, or
2: why we're pointing that way. so. We and I are, think I we think, are never going to really understand God. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> we are on but the, I think, an ant's level to Him. So we yeah. are never going to get the full picture. Yeah. If, if you're willing to ex- put your pride aside and say, I'm not going to get the full picture, but I'm still going to believe. Yeah. And that's what I did. I, I, I said, I'm not going to get the full picture, but I've seen enough evidence Yeah. that I believe
1: and that's huge
2: that's yeah, like a gigantic
1: hurdle yeah that's a leap man And that's great that you're able- but
2: that is what it is about it, it is a leap of faith and and again some people get you know they say they hear from god and that's awesome yeah the guy that i do the ministry with he was in prison he was he was in solitude for two straight years oh jesus that's man. torture yeah it is torture that's torture all he was given was his bible his food and whatever hair care products he needed you know because he's italian he's got a nice yeah. hair. <laughs> I, I hope mean, you're listening not, chris one of those. <laughs> <laughs> i hope you're listening but uh but no and he wouldn't mind me telling you that 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 he audibly hears from god and this is a guy that i really really respect and, and love and he's a brother of mine you know what i mean a best friend and and we trust him with anything but it's hard for me to conceptualize but and, you know
1: people have said that throughout humanity that they've heard the, yeah, the voice of God,
2: and they've manipulated it too. Haven't that, they? Some have,
1: some yeah. haven't. You know, uh, and others uh, use it as a as a springboard to help others. But the reason why I bring up the book of Reuben of Saint Reuben and mm-hmm. the book of Judas is, I first of all, I think the book of Judas, although hasn't really been. Um, authenticated as uh, within the timeline as the rest of the canon for the New Testament because mm-hmm. it comes much later and, and that may be because they just don't have an older source that they haven't found yet or maybe it was just you know created uh, a later date by another person mm-hmm. but the idea of the book of Judas is that and this is beautiful within the the Christian Bible mm-hmm. of the of the New Testament um, the the discussion of Judas is that Judas be purposely betrays Christ for was it 20 pieces of silver? 30. 30 pieces of silver. He has two different deaths in the Christian Bible. Mm. One is by uh, hanging, I believe, and one is by stone, right? Being stoned to death, mm. right? I a thought he just hung himself. Yeah, there's and two different he, versions. And um, then they cut his, his, his gullet and, and he bled onto That's the right. ground. One of them is also, I think, a stoning. They stone mm. the people of the town, stone him. But... Um, the hanging is him feeling guilty for the betrayal of christ and he hangs himself and they cut him well in the book of judas though it has it a little differently it has it that christ goes to judas and ask him to betray him turn him over to the romans because if he does not then he the crucifixion can never happen it can never happen he's therefore he'll never be a sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. okay and Judas is reluctant at first he loves Christ and this is why I think it's a romantic story hmm. it's not about somebody betraying him for money it's about an Apostle turning them over to complete the mission that Christ was intended for that he came to understand as a as a child mm-hmm. right or since the inception of his birth or, or however long you want to say so Judas is reluctant Christ shares with him the uh, some lessons of the of the kingdom of heaven and convinces him to be, to, be, to turn him over to the Romans so he does mm-hmm. and he does it knowing that he'll be ostracized from the rest of the Christians from the other apostles mm-hmm. and that he will also suffer a, a gruesome death and that um, and in that in that very act he's showing his allegiance and his love to Christ mm-hmm. which had to happen it, he had to be crucified he had to be crucified in why order do you for, think he had to be crucified in order to be the sacrificial lamb? Mm-hmm. To be for for people, the sons of man, the sons of God, I should say,
2: mm-hmm. uh, to be um, forgiven. So a lot okay? of the that's old testament, the, that's the testament, a lot of the old testament leading up to the new testament mm-hmm. is a lot of prophecy about about the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that's why that's, that's right. why it needed to be done because this was the prophecy. But it didn't need to be. I don't need. I don't know if I believe that it needed to be. The hands needed to be forced. Um, I don't know. No, it's, I, I wonder. It's interesting. It makes I, you
1: think about, would it have carried out that way? Because is it Paul? I believe when the Romans came to arrest Christ, Paul chopped the ear off of one of the soldiers and went to fight them and Christ told them to lay down his arms.
0: It was John. It was John? Right. Okay, yeah, John so, was the, the, the denier as well. Yeah. He was the one with the temper. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so he had to say, let it be, let it be. But the point is, is that without that, you don't have the sacrificial lamb. And, and I think it's romantic in the sense that, and I want to firmly like agree with that, because it, it points Judas not as the betrayer, not as somebody who is evil, uh, but somebody that is, is doing what his, uh, his God told him to do. Mm. Um, and in essence, he is also a sacrificial lamb. If you think about it from that context Mm -hmm. so there's no evil with that it's just the way it had to be and the reason why I bring that up and we bring up this the book of st. Reuben is that the book of st. Reuben for those that aren't familiar is that Reuben was an archangel Mm -hmm. Christ is born so you go in the Bible you go from his his birth to he's 30 years old so there's that 30 years missing okay and there's a lot of speculation the book of st. Reuben was written as a way to help explain that He's growing up. He's gone, He's going through adolescence, and he's uh, developing into a man, so to speak. And he's starting to understand that he's got these special gifts, these abilities, if you will, uh, where he can do extraordinary things that other people cannot. And in the book, one of the examples is that uh, he uh, he's he's almost um, mischievous too, you know, because he's a kid, mm-hmm. right? He's learning, and he he pushes a friend out the window. He falls out of the barn and dies. And Christ comes down. Before the parents were able to come over and see what happened, he raises him from the dead, mm-hmm. and then of course the child says, oh, no, "No, nothing happened. I just tripped." Mm-hmm. Uh, so Reuben comes. Reuben is sent by God to help guide Christ, so he understands the purpose and the nature of his special abilities, and Reuben, in that essence, does what uh, Virgil did in the Book of the Aeneid, or um, does what Homer—not um, Homer. Um, not Homer uh, uh, who is it, uh, oh, I forget, in the book of, of uh, they He takes him through uh, the pit of despair, because in Judaic religion, there was no heaven and no hell. There was no heaven and hell until Christ was, was crucified, okay? The pit of despair in Judaism. And so Christ see the, sees these people in the pit of despair, and that's kind of like uh, purgatory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Reuben's explaining to him, there's going to be a heaven, there's going to be a hell, there's going to be a judgment day, and this is your purpose. And Christ says, if my Father is all-powerful and all-knowing, why does he create people that he will have to punish for all eternity in, the, in hell? And Reuben says to him famously, listen, don't tell anybody this, but what's going to happen is that after Judgment Day and for a period of time, the people of heaven will cry out for mercy. They will plead with God to forgive their loved ones Mm -hmm. who suffer. God will look upon them and then will free them from their bondage. He will forgive them and and free them. But if you tell them, that gives them license to commit sin Mm -hmm. and to separate themselves from God. So, in essence, it goes back to having a child. If you tell your child that... You know you're gonna hug them and they're gonna get ice cream, even though they did something wrong. Okay, that gives them license to do whatever they want. But if they know that there's something a consequence, whether it be positive or negative, based on their choice, then they can help make that.
2: Yeah, I'd sure like to believe that. I hope that that's the case. Sometimes I've had those theological. I'm not familiar with that book, but I I, um, that specific. It's beautiful. But I I've had those conversations before and and. um, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of that for sure. I think you know God's in a, a relationship. I believe with a Christian God is a relationship person, like. Um, and Christ is 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 noted in the in in the Quran. Lots of yeah. You know, they said I think in the Quran it says that Christ could speak as a as a newborn. Can you imagine your baby's born? <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, and probably spoke Greek and Hebrew and and uh, just some of those things. Like I you know. Uh, we we've had conversations about my friends and I and uh, yeah that's a that's a, that's no, a but cool, but this book a cool co- concept. I hope is. you're right. <laughs> well well it wasn't allowed in the canon. Right.
1: It wasn't allowed yeah. in the canon because the Catholic yeah. Church didn't want didn't agree with it. Right. Uh, as well as the Book of Judas. Mm. But the 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 point is that um, he's your father. Mm-hmm. Or okay. And as a father, you have to understand the consequences of your action. And which case you will pay that consequence, but it's not an eternal consequence. He will eventually show you love and mercy, which some people struggle with because they're not familiar with this book. And they struggle with, well, why would you create Hitler if he's going to kill a bunch of people and you're going to have to torture him for the rest of for all of eternity? Why even bother creating him? Yeah, why? Yeah, and so this this concept is is a neat concept and again it's romantic in nature uh because it shows that this is why christ maybe didn't heal everybody Mm -hmm. right because some people have to make choices Mm -hmm. uh this is why he uh couldn't give everybody everything that they need or want um and at the same time uh why he forgives others Mm -hmm. and why he was so passionate about uh being available and giving things away and, 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 and making the point that, you know, uh, the, the, uh, a rich man has a harder time getting into heaven as a camel through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. Remember that story? Yeah. So, so it's a beautiful romantic story. Um, I just don't but know. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <The>, <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. Behave. Still be good. I wouldn't count on it.
2: So, okay. And I think that's one of the misconceptions about Christianity is like, like, and I and I I had this misconception when I was a kid because my my family was wasn't poor but we weren't wealthy and my dad wasn't exactly a Christian so my grandfather would take me to church and and I don't know if it was intentional or non intentional but my parents wouldn't even buy me like nice clothes or maybe I don't know you know I was young maybe I wouldn't wear nice clothes I don't know <laughs> but I remember I remember these people like kind of staring at me and then asking me if I needed clothes like I was and, and I'm like I'm not homeless you know like um but I, I I got this sense that like um like everybody was judging me and then after I grew up and and, and went to some good churches and they may have been people doing that I don't know um i come to realize that I was the one that was being judgmental that they were judging me like um a, a real Christian um wouldn't be judging somebody for that reason and if and if if they are then they're not really practicing their christianity and and that can turn somebody away who doesn't really understand that like we we we're not perfect in fact the bible was mostly written by murderers you know david and paul (laughs) you know paul who was saul that's why it gets all complicated because we renamed everybody right but but um so we're not perfect we're and if you're truly a Christian, you're like you know you're not perfect. I'm gonna screw stuff up. I'm gonna screw something up today. I probably already have. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> and 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 I probably you know made somebody mad or you didn't like what you what I said or whatever. And 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 that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's it we it God takes that burden from us that says we got to be perfect, right? Christ did that for us, and and and. But I, I will say in our prison ministry there were churches and they're going to go unnamed that we brought guys into the jail or from the jail to our services. And we used to do this little, like we started it out in, in like a little back. They, we found a church that would give us a back trailer and like half of the, the leaders were on board with it and half of them weren't. And some of them didn't even know we were back there. And you know what I mean? But it's the red-headed stepchild of ministry. Yeah. And, that's. Sad. And you got guys that come in and they're, they're all tattooed up and they're, you know, at between service and, and the group we did, they'd be out there smoking cigarettes and, you know, some of them are cussing. And, you know, you'd have to say, hey, man, you know, just kind of tone that down. Well, what's wrong with cussing? Now you got to have a conversation about with a grown man, why you shouldn't be cussing out in front of kids, you know. And yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and usually I just default to like, hey, did, did, do you think Christ would talk like this? Like you're trying to follow Christ and his example, right? right, right. You think Christ was MFing out here in front of his church? yeah You think he was allowing people to sell things, you know. No. Oh, no you got he purpose. fashioned a whip and turned over tables and That's right. and probably what was the beginning of the end of getting killed because uh, the Romans aren't going to have any part of them messing with him, messing with their money. So, you know, and and that going back to that whole church thing, I'm saying there, there was there was judgment there and I know that turned people away and it saddened me that that happened and 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 you know, I don't ever want to see that happen but if I'm not in control of that church then I'd, you know what I mean and I can't control what every person thinks so if you if you're listening to this and you're you know maybe this becomes a big uh, a big uh, jail ministry podcasted prisoner <laughs> <listening laughs> and you get out and you you've grown to have this new relationship with Christ and I'm going to s- steal some of the ideas of my friend who s- spent 2 years in solitary he said I thought man when I got out of jail I was part of a gang again I was part of the Christian gang, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm going to I'm going to meet these people and they're going to love on me just just like the bike gang did. Mm-hmm. He said but it wasn't like that at all. They were like, "Who's this long-haired tattooed guy?" you know? And and nobody talked to me. He said and I sat alone. And I went to another church and I sat alone. And and he said and I felt judged and I felt and some of that could have been his own feelings, but some of it's probably legit, right? Like people were uh, so if if when you get out, you know, you may have to seek out the, a different church. Like you may go, and you may not feel comfortable, but that's okay. There's a home for you somewhere. You're gonna find a place where you feel comfortable, and then you can relax in, in who you are and the people you're with, and then you can you can start to experience the community of Christ. Because you gotta you gotta have in order to do this and not miss out. Because you don't want to miss out. Like you you don't want to miss out on community. You can you can find your way to heaven without ever going to church. Sure. You, you can you can do that you need christ in your life you don't need people in your life but you're missing out now brian that's a radical thought you're missing out
1: years ago you know you said you can find heaven without church they would you know yeah i know you, I been hung up right now. You,
2: <laughs> you can find you can find christ truly i believe you can find it without ever being exposed to the bible we are born innately i think with the the, the, the ability to know what's right from wrong from the day we are born um if you ever struggle with all of those things, there's a great book. It's called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, read that. It's, it's great. If you're struggling with it, you probably have the same kind of mentality as I did, and that, that, that was a great book. It awakened me to some things. But that's um, uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It's like $7 on Amazon. I don't get anything for this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Other than the satisfaction of passing it on. But, yeah, so um, it, find, find community. Um, whatever that looks like for you, no matter no matter how long you have to seek it out, um, you, you don't have to read the Bible, you don't have to listen to to the Christian leaders, but you, if you don't, you're gonna miss out. I think I Missing think out point. on the gifts of what God's given you. I think you come full circle with what
1: you know, what you were saying earlier as far as like find what religion got right. It's it's mm-hmm. men and women. Who represent that religion? That screw it up. Oh, we
2: screw it up all the time,
1: you know. And and I'm speaking because I was one of those individuals. I'm I'm turned off uh, from church, and the reason why was when I was a young kid, you know, I, I I grew up in a bad way. You know, I didn't have really any parents that wanted me. Group homes, and my brothers are, are were of concern to me. And you know, I'm reading through these legal documents now. Now that I'm older and I understand a little bit more, I was told memories that never even happened. That's messed up, yeah, uh, and I'm reading through these documentations and through this document uh and there's like things like the kids are so uh the children are so misbehaved they uh, they're they're terrible behaving children, and that's something I've always heard throughout my life from my parents and my grandparents with my uh you know but if you think about what that kid's going through, and any child that's put in a situation that you know my brothers and I were put into are going to be terribly behaved children, we went to church. And those church members, friends of mine that are really like brothers to me now, they were discouraged to hang out with me. I was the mischievous one because of the way I thought. I was the one that was going to get in trouble. I was the one that don't hang out with him because he doesn't have a father. Don't hang out with him because he's questioning things. Uh, Meanwhile, my buddies are bringing in smoking pot in the bathroom of the church, drinking. You know, having sex. I didn't do any of that. But I was typecast as the one that's going to be problematic. Told, you're not going to make anything of your life. You're not going to school. You're not going to do anything. You're probably going to wind up in jail. Now, I did end up in jail a couple times. But that doesn't doesn't change the fact that, like, it really turned me off. It soured me. Mm-hmm. That judgment. The You know, the fact that I was being raised by a single parent was, and you're going to judge me? I'm a terrible person because of that. Don't agree. But it, it goes back to what you were saying. Whatever religion get right. There's a lot of great things, a lot of beautiful things that religion shares that teaches you. It's the people around it that make that do it harm in the end. Yeah. And it's sad to say things like that. But if you were to look back in my history with my friends, they grew up in a two parent household. They uh, had a home, they had consistency, they went to the same school, they received. They got food, they got clothing. If they would have just took a second, and they claim to be Christians, and they claim to be people who are loving and caring and non-judgmental, but they were very judgmental. If they would have took a second to understand my background a little bit, maybe they would have had a little bit more insight as to why I questioned this. Mm-hmm. and why I present myself and why my brothers behave the way they behave but instead of doing that they were quick to judgment and then all that did was push me away mm-hmm. and 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 turn me off yeah no that's not why i, I I'm, I'm turned off at church i'm I'm very logical I'm too logical it questions it mm-hmm. but the point of the matter is is that that was not helpful in at any at all no, and 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 the, and I think people need to understand if you're gonna represent something like that, mm-hmm. do it do it as it do it the way you're supposed to do it. Like you're saying, yeah, you you're a perfect example.
2: Talk I'm not about. though. I've done things wrong too. I I and I and I'm sincerely. Uh, it's almost like you know, like when your your kid does something wrong, like or, or your brother does something wrong, and you feel bad because you know it's somebody that's close to you that's done something wrong. I sincerely apologize for. But what, you own what, up to what it. what the church has done to you and lots of people. Well, you don't and have I don't, to, and I don't represent. Like I'm not. No, it's not no. because of me. But but it's right. almost like that feeling. Like man, I, I wish that hadn't happened. I really wish that hadn't happened to you. I really wish what happened to me hadn't happened to me, but it did, and um and I don't know why, but it did. Uh, and 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 um. But yeah. you don't need to apologize for others. But you're
1: setting a good example. No, your I, wife is setting setting a great example. Right. Our our coworker Tom setting a great example and
2: then on any given day in any situation we could snap and 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 that's right right i mean you know what i mean we're all capable of that like if i i've i've known guys who uh, um who were sober from from I don't I hate using sober for some things, but this is a person that has some anger issues, had served some time in prison for for nearly beating somebody to death and and he had a lot of time from actually being angry and then something happened and, and uh he beat a guy up. I'm like, Well no, that's no good represent, <laughs> right representation of Christ, right? I don't remember Christ beating anybody up and he felt horrible for it, you know, but at any given day, any moment, we, we all fall short of who Christ is. I mean that's Um, but I think I think the difference is owning
1: up to it talking about it yeah there's a colleague of ours Javier I don't know if Mm you had a chance to talk with him yeah he is probably the best example in my opinion Mm -hmm. of a Christian yeah he's a great guy he is he truly walks the walk Mm -hmm. he talks the talk and he walks the walk yeah I love him to like no end he Mm -hmm. is one of the greatest human beings I've ever seen in my life and you talk about Christ like I feel like not that he's like Christ, but he's striving. Mm-hmm. And his children are, are a representation of that. And his wife is mm-hmm. as well. And that's who I want to be surrounded with. Right. Yeah, me too. And it's beautiful. I mean, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to you if you're listening. He, he's not going to listen. But <laughs> <laughs> shout out for you. Um, he's a great example of uh, Christianity in my opinion. And, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you are as well. And so is Tom. Um and that's that's really the the best you can offer. Again, find what's right within the religion, uh, but understand that people are without, are with flaws. They're not mm-hmm. you know they're gonna make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or feel good? Uh, can you? Uh, could you? Uh, does your um, does your uh your church or the group that you uh you represent when you go into jails to minister to people mm-hmm. do they receive financial donations do they get any attention is there any plug that you want to give for them to make help people be uh, aware so that way they come to the foresight and they don't feel
2: like the redheaded stepchild um we we don't we aren't affiliated with any specific church um, okay and because we you know um What's the name of the... Fresh Start Ministries. Okay. But if you Google search Fresh Start Ministries, they're going to (laughs) be... That's like almost like a generic name. We probably should have chose a better name. But here we are. And um, it's okay. Uh, Yeah, so... I can just you know maybe you can put my email or something in a link or something if somebody but if 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 we're kind of keeping anonymous to where we are that kind of
1: that's up to you if you want to do that yeah yeah I would just
2: I would just put my email okay um, on on tagged onto there if somebody's um right now we're just doing we're doing again we can't get into the jail um but I love talking to people so you know probably somebody will listen to this and maybe they have a family member who's in jail or something like that and. Um, we've had that happen before and we still are like corresponding with people in jail and we we're self-funded so we just never really got um it's not that expensive to do like you know i sort of feel like it's part of my tithing that's a whole we were going to get into money issue but let's just we'll shelve that we'll have you back on to talk about that we'll have we'll shelve that for the other day but um yeah so like guys get out of jail like a, a we'll pick them up and and sometimes they're just wearing like these paper shorts because, you know, and and slides and they don't have anybody to pick them up and you know what I mean? So the the jail reaches out to us and we'll pick them up and we'll take them to to Goodwill and pick out, you know, a week's worth of clothes or whatever and buy that for them, take them out to lunch and then take them to their halfway house or wherever they needed to go and sometimes we'll have guys that'll pick them up and take them to work for the first month or something, you know, it just all depends on a situation. So if, you know, if you're, um, we're not the only organization that does that. We're unique in some ways, but we're very similar in others. So if you if you're you have a loved one who's in jail or prison, even, and maybe uh, you want somebody to correspond with them and maybe be there when they get out, uh, you can email me. And if I if I can't help them because we're not in the same geographical location, then maybe I can try to hook them up with somebody who who is doing that sort of thing. Is there any and, way that anybody
1: can support? your ministries um you
2: mean like from a financial standpoint they could definitely Uh, pray for us they can Um, definitely pray for us and pray for our work um pray that that god opens the doors uh the jail so we can get back in there i know these guys that are in there need it they miss it they um they they've told us so as they've gotten out so um yeah that would be the biggest help and then beyond that, financially, I don't think we need any funds. We're anybody, we're, fine. we're self-funded. Anybody that wants to volunteer, part. is there any way for them? Yeah, I, they, I guess they could just
1: email you to like. Yeah, just email okay. me.
2: I'll I'll get them in touch with Chris because Chris is kind of in charge of all of that, and he's right. he's going to be the guy that's going to uh, do the educating. To
1: do you want to do you want to tell them what your email is out loud, and then we'll include the link, or do you want them to just include the link?
2: Just include the link. Okay, because I, I just find that. It's better. Okay. <laughs> was That's that fine? an S or an F? And was it a three? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um,
1: anything else at all? No. No, you're good. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you, you coming on. And yeah, was man. Good conversation. I this think was a great you. conversation. I yeah. loved it. Thanks it for having really me cool. on, man. Yeah. It's great. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: All right. So I guess this goes into our next thing, right? We uh, we want to remind everybody that we uh, are trying to support three different charities. We want to let people know that. If for whatever reason they'd like to donate to our Patreon account and keep help us uh, keep this podcast going and keep it alive, we also will take twenty five percent of those proceeds and put them towards Cystic Fibrosis, put them towards Muscular Dystrophy Association as well as Spinal Muscular Atrophy. We want to continue to foster the support that those associations provide to, the, to people who suffer with those ailments, and also try to foster the research being done to hopefully eventually prevent these conditions. From occurring anyway. The other thing that we'd like to do is, <laughs> as we do every podcast, we want, we want to send a shout out to the people that we that inspired us. They gave us the aspiration to do this. Uh, so hopefully, we're doing some we're doing them right. And I'd like to say thank you to the Joe Rogan podcast. I want to say thank you, to Sean Carroll, and Sam Harris. Say thank you to Adam Meekins and Greg Lehman. Um All a bunch of beautiful people who inspire that higher level of thinking and. Uh, Gave us the the willingness to sit down and discuss topics that we feel like everybody should have access to or an idea of. So we really appreciate your inspiration, and um, we really appreciate your help in supporting those associations. Thank you very much.